Welcome to the Wise Guys Podcast. Wise Guys is your home to interact with the worldwide community of BYU fans in a variety of ways. We're your hosts, Dave McCann and Blaine Fowler. What you're about to hear is the audio recording from our weekly live broadcast. We invite you to join us for the show live every week to chat with us and with other BYU fans. You can find the schedule and watch live at wiseguys.com. That's ysguys.com. Thanks for listening and go Cougs. Hey, welcome to the Wise Guys, the number one BYU sports live stream show in the world. Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler. We love Tuesday nights. We're going to announce our roll call for everybody. DJ, will you show Blaine so everyone knows he's with us here? Wait, I'm here. There you go. All they, right. I mean, they just assumed I was here. I know. But Although, we, I have done a couple of shows. Yeah. I did a show from Hawaii. Yeah. Um, and didn't uh, I do York. a show from New York? Right. Yeah, yeah. so I've done a couple of shows from other places, but I'm here tonight. Thank goodness. So we got a lot of folks coming in. Steve Young's here. Oh, you know what? The previous 65 shows have all led up to this show tonight. Our show before BYU starts its first season as a member of the Big 12 and a Power 5 football conference member. It's all led up to this and we are so excited to have uh, everybody with us well, tonight. Jonathan, Ash, uh, Jonathan Ashcroft was the very first one in tonight. We always recognize the first person in. Says it's that time. Can't wait to hear from everybody tonight. Love the show, guys. Coming from Henderson, Nevada. Mark Axel is always right up there at the top. Best night of the week. Appreciate it. How about you Jeff guys. Dole? First time catching you guys live from Los Gatos, California. Hey, and, and Ruthie5358, always on with us every week. Only four days till game day. That's what we're talking about. We're all excited. Um, and then is, is it 1010 for Eva? Checking in from Melissa, Texas. Melissa, Let's go. Melissa, Texas. We're, we're, we're grateful for all of you that are with us all the time. Remember to follow us on YouTube. Um, we'll put the link in the chat for YouTube so that you, you can follow us there. Um, hit the subscribe button. It's free. And then we're also live on Facebook, Twitch, and YSGuys.com, YSGuys.com. Hey, any way you can get with us, subscribe. To, not, nothing is going to cost anything for you to subscribe and be part of this. Um, but that, that helps us to be able to continue to do this show. Shout out to Amber from New York and Spencer from Lubbock back with us. David's from Rexburg. Idaho, I, uh, what did we got? BYU Sports Attic from Farmington. Yeah, you know, I was at Rick. I was at Rick's College for one year. It was yes, so cold. I vowed never to return, and I've never been one, back. One time, I had a meeting in Rexburg <laughs> in the winter. Hey, and how about Robbie here in from Dallas who joins right. us? One year, I drove. I had a meeting in Rexburg, and I drove. It was cold here, but I mean, like cold, like it was like eight here. I got in the car. I drove to Rexburg. When I opened the door, and the wind was blowing. It was almost like it came in the car and bit me. I, I went into the meeting. I did the meeting. I said, by the way, what's the temperature outside? Yeah. And they said, it's, it's 16 degrees below zero. And I was like, thank you for that. <laughs> I, after the meeting, I, walk, I was supposed to stay over. I walked out to my car. I got in the car, and I drove back home. Yeah, you did the right thing. Like, I, no. I walked to school one morning. It was so cold. When you'd breathe in, your nose would freeze, and you'd breathe out, and it would thaw. That's how I entertain myself walking down Craziness. To, to campus. So hey, follow us at ysguys.com, ysguys.com. Subscribe, get our weekly email with highlights. It's all free. We encourage you to check out our library of interviews ranging from Danny Ainge to Marie Osmond, from Kyle Van Noy to Sherry Dew. They're all waiting for you at ysguys.com. 80 Minutes with Tom Homo a couple yeah, weeks ago. If you didn't hear that Tom Homo uh, interview, you've you just got to go on and because that 
it's just so fun to have our athletic director for 80 minutes straight and have just a chance to talk about all topics BYU in the Big 12. So if you if you didn't get a chance to see that one live or to listen to the podcast, go back and download that one or take it with you out on your bike ride and uh, and listen to Tom Homo. Shout out to Dirk, BYU class of 82 when Tom Homo was playing football. Las Vegas. Yeah, Dr. Ketch always in from, uh, Doc, from uh, hey, Las Vegas. Hey, here's this. We got a question from yeah. Dave and Blaine. I live in England without access to ESPN, so we'll no longer be able to watch BYU Sports Live. Is anything going to be done for fans like me where games are made available? Love the podcast. Thanks, Alan. Um, They won't be available on BYU TV henceforth, with the exception of men's volleyball, so you'll still be able to get that. ESPN Plus is going to have a bulk of the BYU action in all sports. And then, of course, you got the mothership, ESPN and Fox. And they've got their apps. I think if you have Wi-Fi, you can get the ESPN Plus app, even if ESPN isn't available uh, on your channel in England. So I think that's the situation that, that we're dealing with. But we're just so cool, glad to have a, a yes, viewer from England. England. That's our grateful. first from the United Kingdom. And, and by the way, a lot of our stuff that we are doing in terms of studio stuff, so after further review um, that we taped today, not tonight, but moving forward, after further review, will not only be available on BYU TV and that BYU app, yeah, um, but it will be available on ESPN Plus. So a lot of the shows that we're doing during the week um, will also be available on ESPN Plus for BYU TV, um, just not the other way around. So Mike, just me from Beaumont, Texas. You know who's in Texas tonight? The Florida Gators. That's right. Uh, and then they'll come to. Utah and play the Utes on Thursday night. They had to get out of Florida because of the hurricane. My, my favorite comment so far is from 1010 for Eva. My employer is getting bare minimum for me this week. I'm in game mode. <laughs> it is, it we, is I, game I, week. I, I feel you for sure because that's how I feel. It's all I just everything just points to Saturday and I can't wait. Now, if you've never been on our live stream, hop on there and let us know where you're viewing from, from anywhere in the world, and we'll try to give you a shout out. It's uh, it's our way of um, showing that this, this show is, is really the, the number one BYU sports live stream in the world because the whole world has access to us and that folks are watching and entertain, being entertained or entertaining us from all over the place. We, we so love it. Keep Linda, that going. Linda Murray's always with us. Thanks, Linda, from Colorado for being there. I, I, I love like when the new ones pop up, too. Yeah. I, hey, I love our, our loyal fans, but I also love when somebody pops up and we've had... Panama and South America. Yeah, we, we, we had uh, who do we the have? Philippines, Philippines, Japan. Um, we had South Korea one week. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. All that's ca- and, cool. And now we find out England, which yeah. I love. So and uh, now Vernal, Utah, checking in. And, and Vernal, hey, that's out there. Hey, Jay. It's out in the basin. It's out there. <laughs> it's kind of like England, only it's closer. It's kind of. It's it's its own kingdom, that's for sure. All right, here's what we got coming up on the show. It's game week. BYU has a season opener Saturday night against Sam Houston at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. We've got plenty on that coming up. Yeah, and we've got, if you haven't heard, we've got Steve Young coming up in just about Ten, well, let's say 13 minutes, Steve Young's going to join us. And we're going to have Steve Young for a while. If you've got a question for Steve Young, send it to us. Yep. And then and and joining us at the end of Steve's segment will be Elder Vi Sikahema, or as we know him, Vi Sikahema, <laughs> uh, BYU legend, uh, former Pro Bowl punt returner for the Philadelphia Eagles, and now general authority. He's coming uh, on with us here. Uh, so what a show to what kick show. off Big 12 Week. Steve from Olympia, Washington's here. Craig's from Billings, Montana. 
checking out the wise guys. It's cut down day in the NFL. So which Cougars survive? We're going to run down that list. There's a couple surprises on there. Uh, guys who've earned jobs in the NFL and Southfield is getting ready for a mega showdown in women's soccer of the likes we have not seen, maybe ever, Right. Uh, with uh, BYU at number seven in today's poll. They were nine in one poll, seven in the other, and UCLA number one. Yeah. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, that's coming now, up later number in the ones week. that come to Provo? I mean, I'm just thinking about Gonzaga. But yeah. Well, that was up there when they were one, wasn't it? Yeah. Like, did we beat them at our place at the Marriott Center basketball when they were one? Or was I that don't know. There? I think they were two or three when we beat them down here. Okay. They knocked they knocked us around most of the time, but we got them a few. You know, and what what was Miami when they came into the into Lavelle Edwards? They were number one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe that's what's in the back of my mind. Maybe is that. that is. How can, that's always in the front of our mind. It sh- should be in the front of my mind. I called that game for Pete's <laughs> sakes. I'm just getting old, I guess. So, Hey, uh, let's, let's kick things off with the head coach, Kalani Sitake. Here is what he said about Saturday's game to the media to kick off game week. Coach Sitake. All right, thank you. Um, game week, we're really excited. Uh, just... Looking forward to the matchup with Sam Houston, and uh, you know we're watching film. We've, we've been we've known this for a while now, but our focus has been uh, after getting done with camp uh, middle of last week has been shifted to pre- preparing for Sam Houston um, and this season. But um, you know, really well coached team. Looking at at Casey Keeler, their head coach, it starts with him. He's he's. Uh, you know, if you know anything about football, he's one of the best coaches in college football. And so um, really excited to, to see him and meet him and talk to him in midfield. But uh, as you watch film and you see the things that they've done as a program, uh, he's, he's been around for a long time and had success everywhere he's been. And so, he's you know, he's won national championships. That's, that's what he does. And he, he won at a Delaware national championship, did the same thing at Sam Houston not long ago. I mean, I think believe is 2021 so there's guys on that team that have won a national championship and have seen success and I think last year they went through a transition where they knew they were going into the um, into an FBS uh, uh, they were going to be an FBS program and uh, you know with without with it not being uh, an opportunity for them to play in, in the in the postseason even in the, in, the, in the playoffs a lot of those guys are hungry to get to this year, and, and, and a good number of them redshirted, played their four games. And so we see uh, on film, watched all, all the film, and just tons of athleticism and tons of talent and really well coached. And so uh, it's going to be an exciting game. We're excited to be here at home, and it's a home opener, and looking forward to this season. It's now come. I mean, it's, uh, you know, we've been fielding these questions for a long time since uh, even spring ball. and. Uh, now that we're here, it's it's uh, game week, and the guys are really uh, excited, and, and we're, we're ready to roll. That is head coach Kalani Sataki, and as we react to that, we do want to welcome in a few folks. I saw White Plains, New York, uh, Bountiful, uh, Bountiful, Utah, and uh, and a few others uh, checking in with the head coach. What do we know about the Bearcats with a K coming in from Sam Houston? Yeah. Hey, by the way, White Plains, White Plains, Eric Roberts is saying, where's the homestead here? He's asking me. So just up the road from you, Eric, I'm up in Elmira is where I grew up, <laughs> up the road. Just get on Route 17 and follow it along that Pennsylvania border and you're gonna go right through my town. The billboard's down, though, town of Blaine Fowler. They took it down? I'm just too old. I'm just too old. <laughs> so, um, Yeah, let's talk about the Bearcats a little bit. This is a team um, that's that hangs its hat on defense. And, and Kalani mentioned Casey Keeler. 
Um, you guys have to understand how good a football coach Casey Keeler is. As he mentioned, they won a, a Division One AA National Championship at Delaware way back in 2003. He was the head coach there for a number of years. He went to Delaware to college, and then he won a national championship at Sam Houston State and in and, and what we now call FCS in, in the spring of 2021. Um, and in between, he's been to just every, you know, semifinal and final you can think of um espn recently listed him as one of the top 150 coaches football coaches of all time Mm. um he's a defensive minded coach um this team is going to be well well coached on defense they're going to be disciplined they're going to be well coached they have some athletes on defense they're in a little bit of an interesting dilemma because in making this move from fcs to fps to step up and, and and play um you know at a higher level they red shooted an enormous number of their players last year yeah. to get them to be back for this season. So a lot of guys are going to be playing that didn't play last year, and and they were you know they were not they didn't have a great stellar record last year. They're five and four because of that. But but you got to remember the previous two seasons they were twenty one and one in FCS. So this is a high high level. Um, program. Think Appalachian State before they made the transition, right? Yeah. Remember when they went up and mm-hmm. beat Michigan? Um, offensively is, is where they struggled this last season the most. They didn't get consistent quarterback play. Um, Keegan, their quarterback, is back, but I mean, he's coming back off of a year where he completed 47% of his passes. He only threw for 1,100 yards. Um, they have to fix that passing game if they think they're going to compete this season in their new conference, and clearly they're going to have to throw the ball better against BYU. They've got a solid run game. They've got a solid defense. I think what happens in this game for for BYU is that BYU's big guys up front on both sides of the ball wear these guys down over the course of the game. This is a game that might stay close for a little while, and that might surprise some people. And I think BYU's size and physicality maybe wears them down over that over a period of time, and and eventually BYU pulls away in this game. But but this is not a bad FCS t- like this is. This is a very good program. They should be able to hang for a little while. And they're extreme, at least. extremely well coached. Do not undersell how good a coach Casey Keeler is. He's a yeah. very, very good football coach. So it gets going. It's a late one, 8.15 p.m. here local time. Uh, and Marvin, by the way, from Harriman. Raymond from St. George. Tim from Harriman. Cities in the great state of Utah. Yeah, on I, the I, wise Spencer guys McMillan tonight. says, hey, they're keeping who's starting quarterback a secret, which is true. Yeah. You know, BYU's announced it's Keaton Slovis. There's a couple of transfers. A transfer from uh, North Texas, Gunnell, who, who's been around a couple of places. And hasn't played a lot since yeah, and, Arizona and, a few years ago. Right, and Ward transferred down from Washington State, and this quarterback job's been up for grabs. All three of those guys are mobile, can throw the ball around. I mean, the bottom line is... If you're going to throw the football, it takes more than just a quarterback. And it was a real area of concern last year, and they're trying to focus on getting better in that area. But they'll be able to run the ball a little bit, so it'll be fun. Kay Porter from South Jordan, Utah, is uh, with us tonight. DJ, will you show the picture of the uniforms, BYU announced what they're going to look like on opening night? And uh, we'll try to describe it if you're just listening. If you're watching, you can see it's going to be the royal helmets, the royal tops, white pants with the royal trim. And uh, there's been a little debate as to is the face mask white or is it uh, gray? The pictures we're looking at here looks like it's gray. But this is the same look that they wore when they beat Baylor last year. And they're rolling it out to beat another team from Texas, uh, Sam Houston, on Saturday. So that's the look for the Cougars. And um, I, I like, I, I, like I, I like the royal jerseys, the royal helmets, and the white pants. I think it's a clean look. Um, 
you know, it, the traditional look for BYU is the royal, the white pants, and then the white helmet. So you kind of go white on the bottom, royal in the middle, white on top. Um, and that's that's the traditional look. That's the one that um, that Kalani likes. So, uh, hey, that's funny, by the way. Uh, Kay Porter says, hey, Blaine needed to erase the blackboard behind him. That play could be crucial Saturday. <laughs> it might and be. Sam Houston may have spies out watching this show. Hey, Timothy from yeah, that's, that's not a play, by the way. Perth, Australia here with us on The Wise Guys tonight. So, uh, Timothy, thank you. Uh, John is with us from Arizona in Camp Verde, Arizona. Doug just jumped on on the front runner train in Farmington. We're moving. We're on the move with Doug tonight. Don't you, don't you love it when Perth, Australia just I checks just in? Love it. I just I love, love it. I love when Perth, Australia just checks in with us. And there's a question here, a, a local radio show reporting that Hinkley Rapati is out for the season. Uh, we don't know if he's out for the season. We know that he is out. That's why he's not on the depth chart. Um, and, uh, and we'll see. He's got just the year left after the transfer. Right. And um, and uh, he does the, have a, he does have a red shirt. Available. Does he have a red shirt? Yeah. So if, if so this is something that ke- if this is something that that um, that keeps him out longer than they hope, then then there's a possibility that he could red shirt and come back, right? Yeah. Um, so so I I think they're just evaluating what they need. So to do nothing official from the university, but but when you look at the depth chart and you don't see him anywhere, yeah. that tells you that uh, that he's dealing with some challenges. Uh, some information on our broadcast, DJ, if you put that up for game day on Saturday. And Steve Young's going to join us in just a couple of minutes. Hang with us and bring us your questions. Season premiere Saturday night, 8 Eastern, 6 Mountain on BYU TV. We'll be live with the fans at Cougar Canyon just outside Lavelle Edwards Stadium for the first hour. Then we're going to move our broadcast to our broadcast platform inside the stadium to show you all the festivities. Two hours of pregame coverage, including interviews with Kalani Sataki, and Keaton Slovis, expert analysis from Blaine, David Nixon, Brian Logan, Spencer Linton will have interviews as well. And then BYU and Sam Houston, 1015 Eastern, 815 Mountain on FS1, followed by our live postgame show on BYU TV. That's all Saturday night on BYU TV. And the weather's going to be perfect for football. Yes, it's, it's supposed to be temperatures in the low 70s at kickoff. Could, could it be any better than that? That's going to be awesome. So, hey, D- hey, Derek Day, Day family, tuning in from Maryland. We love people from Maryland being on the show with us. So we appreciate do love being people in from there. Maryland. Remember so. we were back there. It's Grantsville, Utah. Hello. Yep. Good to have Jerry Jer- with Jerry us. Jerry in. And- Boy, I tell you, the live stream is active tonight. Yeah. Just, uh, and, and then is it is it Bully Coog? It looks like it. Bully Coog. Eight. We don't we don't actually endorse bullying, but we will <laughs> endorse Billy Coog or Bully Coog. Um, and yeah, Steve Young, favorite football player of all time. Well, you're going to get to talk to him here and or, or listen to him here in just a minute. So NFL cuts today. Let's roll them down before we bring Steve in. There's 14 Cougars that have made NFL rosters. Let's run down the list. There's a couple of surprises and there's some expectations. So expectations, yeah, Tyler Algier with the Falcons still. Brady Christensen with the Panthers still. Michael Davis with the Chargers. Those are all starters. Those are all expected, right? Jaron Hall has made the Vikings. Kyrus Tonga back with the Vikings, starting nose tackle. Dax Milne has made it for another year in the NFL with the Commanders. Former walk-on at BYU. Year three for for Dax Milne. That's pretty awesome. Puka Naku with the Rams. That's not surprising because all indications out of camp were that he was having a tremendous fall camp. Um, so Pukadukou with the Rams. And Sione Takitaki, that's expected with the Browns. He's been a, a mainstay with the Browns. We injured last year, but back and healthy. Zach Wilson with the Jets. Jamal Williams, Taysom Hill with yeah, the no Saints. Su- no surprise with either any of those. Blake no, Freeland. Yeah, no surprise with Blake no. Freeland and the Colts, right? He draft pick. Uh, 
Yeah, it was good that the Niners kept Fred Warner. Yeah, that's a smart move by the <laughs> Niners. But how about this one, which is a bit of a surprise. Chris Brooks makes the Dolphins. Yeah, of the entire list, um, that's that's great news. Like A lot of these were expected, but hey, Chris Brooks, that's awesome. So Chris Brooks joins Tyler Algier and Jamal Williams as BYU running backs in the NFL. You want to be a running back like Aiden Robbins? Why is he here at BYU? Because those guys are in the league. Absolutely. All right, some Cougars that were cut. Yeah, Matt Bushman. That one's surprising a little with the Chiefs. Now, these guys could re-sign with the practice squads. Right, or or they could get picked up. Um, I'll I'll tell you one that I think is going to maybe get picked up by somebody else. But but Matt Bushman with the Chiefs. James Empey was released by the Packers. Caleb Hayes had a really good preseason. Caleb Hayes, you just kept hearing, wow, he surprised everybody. Remember he ran that Mm -hmm. 4-3-40 when they timed him. don't be surprised if Caleb Hayes doesn't get signed to the practice squad, but maybe somebody else picks him up here. Yeah. Tomasi Lalile from the Broncos was let go. D'Angelo Mandel cut from the Cowboys. Chris Wilcox from the Steelers. And this one surprised me with Tyson Williams. He had a good preseason. Yeah. They don't have a lot of depth at Arizona, but the Cardinals I, waved him. I really him. thought Tyson would make the Cardinals. Did, did not, but I would very much expect Tyson to get picked up at least on a practice squad for now. So. so the season opener is September 7th. The Lions and the Chiefs. By the way, Andy Reid also made the cut. Yeah, it's, it's uh, amazing how Andy made the cut again. With a win next Thursday. As we say hello to Neil from Tucson. Hey, Neil. With a win next Thursday, Andy Reid will pull even with the legendary Tom Landry for fourth all-time in NFL history with 270 wins. And then the next week, he's going to have fourth to himself. Or the week after that, but he's going to win two games, and that'll put him in there. Hey, hey Brent, Brent just says, I met Blaine when he accompanied his dad, who was branch president in Wellsboro, Pennsylvania. I was a missionary there. Even then, he could tell he was going to be a star. That's really, really nice of you, Brent. Those were great days when our family would travel down to Pennsylvania for church, spend the whole day down there Sunday with amazing people down in Pennsylvania. That's, that's a great memory for me, Brent. That's cool that you served your mission back there. Let's get some uh, soccer news and then... Uh, some volleyball news as we anticipate Steve joining us. Uh, BYU moving up to number seven in the national polls after beating Long Beach State and Boise State last week. That sets up a showdown Thursday at Southfield here in campus. It's number one UCLA at 3-0, and and it's number seven BYU at 4-0, 8 p.m. Mountain Time on ESPN+. Plus. So that is Thursday night. Might be one of the biggest home matches in the history of Jen Rockwood's soccer program, which, uh, which is fantastic. Um, but, man, number one against number seven, and BYU has a team that can beat number one. That's what I was just going to say. Is like, um, so here comes number one. Now, when number one Miami um, comes into to, – to, it was Cougar Stadium back at that time. It wasn't Lavelle Edwards Stadium at that time, right? But when they come in – did any of us had any expectation that BYU could pull up the biggest upset in college football that year and beat the number one uh, Canes, right? Right. N- none of us none of us thought. We, we, in the back of your mind, it was like, wouldn't that be amazing? But here comes the number one soccer team in America into Provo, and I'm going, hey, there's a good chance number one goes down. That, that's how good this women's soccer program is right now where um, we our expectations are that – they can take down number one at home. It, it's it's the most impressive home field advantage in, in college in women's college soccer. Would you agree with that? It really is. And the last time BYU hosted a number one team 
was 2018. Stanford came in and beat them two to nothing. But this is a better BYU team than 2018. So that's the showdown on Thursday. And um, we look forward to that. Women's volleyball, they jumped to number nine in the top 25 after knocking off uh, Pittsburgh, who was number five, three to one in convincing fashion. They've got the home opener Wednesday, tomorrow night uh, against LMU. That's at seven mountain time on uh, ESPN+. Plus. It is, uh, by the way, you know, our first guest tonight is the author of the new book, The Law of Love. He and his wife, Barbara, have four children. Uh, by the way, he also has three Super Bowl rings. So between the three of us, yeah, yeah. there's an NFL Hall of Famer, a College Football Hall of Famer, and a BYU Athletic Hall of Famer, and a BYU Law School grad. So that we combine to make quite a group. It's our pleasure to welcome our friend Steve Young to the Wise Guys. Steve, thanks for joining us. You bet. I'm just fixing my camera here. Hold on. <laughs> we, we can nope. hear you. There, there he are. is. Hey. There he is. So, hey, look. Wait, where are you right now? You're not home. Are you at the, the office? office. Oh, I'm at the office. I was expecting you from be, being at the office at, at home, and you're you're in the office at over in Palo Alto. So ah. cool. I love I love the helmets on the back wall, though. That's awesome. So. Yeah, that's a COVID that's a COVID situation. Where, um, <laughs> my, my partner of 25 years, Rich Lawson, sits over here in the same office. Who be the other since I retired, and uh, he's like, I'm like Oscar. He's like Felix, right? Everything has to be perfect, <laughs> and so. Uh, we have all these helmets for our golf tournaments, and that's how you, you know those are the prizes. And so in the corner is this big pile of stuff. He couldn't take it anymore. So during COVID, he hung it all up <laughs> so that it's very clean and pure. So I, yeah, I, I remember. I, I have to. I do have to say, Steve. I remember what 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 model of Oldsmobile were you driving around when we were in school? That that big old old Oldsmobile was dynamic eighty eight. Yeah, dynamic eighty eight. It wasn't. It wasn't the most orderly car I've ever seen. I have to say that. So when you say you're Oscar, I believe that. So yeah, no. I, well, I look. I'm not a slob. I just. <laughs> I just. I'm in motion. You are in like, motion. Yes, you've like, been in like motion. Life is in motion, and so I've got. I'm organized, but I'm not. I, I'm not, I don't have to have everything put away. Yeah. Like, hundred percent. Like, you know where it is. Organized. It's set. Like, don't like. I don't need to be freaked out about it. Yeah, like, but but so and I. I appreciate that about you. So how about Barb, though? Like, your your, your beautiful luckily, wife, Barb. Luckily, she's... Look, here's the deal. I am uh, generally like, let's get this... Let's score. I don't know how we're going to do it. We're going to move the ball. We're going to score. Right. My Barb is very much more about the detail. Like, where are you... How are you lined up? What is exactly the timing of the route? That's the Bill Walsh. You know what I mean? And so yeah. we're a great marriage because I am not detail-oriented. She is dramatically dear and i will tell you our marriage for 24 years that has been the issue like you know i remember we were getting married and the wedding dinner and she said okay so here's the menu everyone has to choose fish or beef and uh and so you have to go through your whole family and decide for the wedding dinner who's gonna have what <laughs> and i'm like and she kept asking me kept asking me and i'm like i, I don't know i'll get to i get it finally says look i need to know and so i told her honey Everyone in my family wants beef. Beef. <laughs> beef. That's what we're doing. <laughs> that inflamed her to no end. And she actually talked about like how she considered, like, do I really want to marry a guy that can't worry about those kind of details about what if people are going to eat at the wedding dinner? Then what? And it really was a signal for me. For, and I told her, you know, for 24 years, I have gotten better. Mm -hmm. like, I am on the move. I have gotten better. And uh, it's taken some time, but I truly appreciate detail. 
I appreciate life of detail and I have learned how to recognize that it's an important part of my life. So my marriage has brought me a sense of value to the details of life. And that's why my, that's why my desk is just a couple of papers. So that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have to say though, Steve, I, you, you made, you made a comment that you and, and Barb, like you're, you're not exactly the same. You're like the yin and the yang and all that. And I would vouch for that as I've watched you guys over the years. Yeah, we're, not, we're not opposites. We're yeah, not opposites. No, no you, you, you're just, she's really good at some things that you're not. You're really yeah. good at some things that yeah. she's not. And you guys have this beautiful thing where it yeah. just works so well together. Isn't that what it's all about? That's what marriage is all yeah, about, right? It's beautiful. And I, you know, you talked about the Love Love book. I, you know, that's the, that's the, that's the journey I've been on to share uh, a way forward, an authentic way forward uh, for me spiritually that uh, I was able to, you know, have a gift from being around her. So that's, that's, that's that. We've so got I, a, I, we got a few questions about that book with you. Before our live streams happen tonight, Corey Ashimer, our friend over in Japan, says, Love you, Steve. You signed and sent a personalized photo to me when I had open heart surgery when I was 13. Still have it and hangs in my office in Tokyo today. And, and by the way, Steve, Corey, who's on, who comes on and, and streams in every week, Corey, for the most part, runs the PGA Tour in, in Asia. Um, oh, really? Yeah, he's, yeah. He, he served oh. a mission in Japan. He has some Japanese um, uh, uh, ancestry. Um, he was over there. He married a girl from there. And when, when PGA Tour, he was working for like a banking company. When the PGA Tour found out that he was over there, and that he spoke English and he played the game of golf and all this. I mean, he was a shoe in and he's been over there ever since. And, and, uh, he, he's, he runs that thing over there. And, and I did wow. not know this, but he says that back when he was 13 and had open heart surgery, you, right. you sent him a signed uh, photo and he's got that in his office at the PGA offices in Japan. That is, that is really cool. All these years well, later, we find out about that well, story. I, I, I gotta be honest with you. There's times where I've run into people that have had that kind of dramatic feeling for something that I I've done for them and what it makes me think because it's so easy for me to to do something small that has a, a a big effect and I'm 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 drawn to wishing that I could have done that for a thousand people but I I I, I do what I see in front of me but how how much you wish you could make people's lives better in you know if you could just know you know so many times you just don't know and uh that's, that's I love hearing about that because I, especially Barb loves to hear because when we first got married, you know, I'd be in a group of people and a lot of people would want to autograph or something and, and I'd kind of move through them and, and kind of be as kind as I can, but we got to get, we got to go, you know, and, and, uh, and she'd say, why didn't you, why don't you, why don't you stop inside everything? And I'm like, well, cause we gotta, kids do that. We gotta go. <laughs> and, uh, she goes, well, I think, I think you're making a mistake. I think you should, I think you should take the time. And, uh, I'm like, all right, let's let's do it. In fact, whenever she said, especially if someone's wearing your jersey, see, if someone's wearing your jersey, that's a sacred act, man. We got to sign every jersey. And so I go, OK, honey, I promise you, if I ever see someone with my jersey on, I will sign it. I don't have I don't care if we. And so we're driving down the highway coming back. I think it was a 49er game. We're driving down the highway and we're passing a car and and a guy is like they, they see me and they say he's got my jersey on. And Barb looks at me like. I'm you, like, you, you said, you promised. He's in a car on a highway. We can't do it. So she's like, you, you promised me. So we, I go, can you pull over? We pull over. We sign. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Let's the highway. 
and uh, and he loved it, and it was amazing, and uh, for him, and but I just like Barb, I can't, I don't think we should do that on the highway. <laughs> Hey, uh, that, I love, love the line in your book that reads, the law of love is undefeated. Expound on that and your motivation to write, write that that's book. That's great. So I, I think it's important to define the law of love, which is uh, loving as God loves, which if you think about the scripture, uh, my work and my glory is bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man. There's no, what God gets, God gets glory through our glory. So in other words, his love for us is outward. In other words, I, I don't receive, there's no deal that I'm making. I only receive through your, my, my love for you is to grow and, 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 and receive glory. And that's the idea. That's the whole point of life. And so if we're going to do that, then we need to receive how we receive glory is through others and, and, and seeing others and, and watching for them and, 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 and having a language of healing and peace and, and prosperity and abundance and how do I what are my relationships look like uh, and um, and in doing that that's how you to me that's the irony of the quote uh, from the scriptures um, lose yourself and you'll find yourself is that you in the irony is in loving as God loves which is the law of love in and seeking other people's healing that's how you receive ironically the full measure of heaven and uh, and so doing that Law of love is undefeated because all the other laws of God mo are are kind of of this world. They're more self-interested. Things that I do to receive things, kind of like transactional. I'm going to be obedient because then I'm going to receive something. Yeah. And and anything that's self-interested over time, no matter how righteous, will rot in self-interest. And the only things that are perpetual, the only things that last forever, is outwardly seeking others healing and so in that if you think about a law that has to be if there's a law in heaven it has to be a perpetual law it has to be it can't rot it can't you know uh and so that's the idea that it's undefeated forever if you ever if you're ever down you know it's like that's why i say we're always called wounded healers the wounded healers of the world that's all of us that's our capacity because we're all we're all wounded we all have the capacity to heal others and as we seek Moroni, I was always say, if I ever get a tattoo, I'm going to have it be say Moroni seven. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 where it all that it starts, starts and stops and ends right there is the idea that we can have transfigured eyesight to see other humans as God sees other humans, and in that sacred way, we have in the restored gospel an ability to to understand why because of preexistence, because we're all divine, because heavenly parents that have a design for us to grow. All of that gives us a great superstructure to understand what we're trying to do and then all we're supposed to do is help the savior in the atonement extend into every relationship wherever we are and i always tell people what what, what relationships well every relationship i was just at the left i was just late here trying to turn left at the green light the arrow behind a guy and the arrow turned green and he didn't go <laughs> and i'm going to be late for you guys and now we're in a relationship you know, like, <laughs> we're in a relationship and so what what What's the most healing, peaceful, kind of abundant way to deal with that relationship that I'm in now? And I decided that despite my desire to honk, I decided <laughs> to just take a breath. Just breathe. Just breathe through it. If he misses the whole light, maybe I'll figure out how to say something to him. But I don't know if he'll miss the whole light. So just let it breathe. And then he saw it, left, and went on. And then he and I are now in a more abundant relationship because he's not... <laughs> 
you know, because you know, you get yeah, yeah, a, a, Amen to that. I got to read the book in a unique way, Steve. So you gave the book to Dallas, my, my son-in-law, um, who, who you're really close to my daughter, Libby, and to my son-in-law, Dallas, who, who you guys have been so gracious to. So he had notes all in the margins, and then he read the book, and then he left the book at our house with a note. So I got to read through it with Dallas's notes. So I got, I got all of your wisdom, and then I got Dallas's interpretation of that wisdom in the margins, which was a really cool way for, oh. for me to read that book, and, and, I, and I loved it. In the book, I mean, you gathered perspectives from a wide range of, of individuals, and what surprised you the most as you did the research for that book? Well, the research of that book was living my own life out and trying to find a, uh, with all the complexities of life and all the spiritual complexities and how even in scripture it's complex. Like there's just, it, it, and how do I, how do I, I can't bind it all together. It like, it falls apart. And so I think the, the biggest surprise to me was how much I, um, you know, in trying to find what lasts forever. You know, I have a durable spirit inside of myself that's supposed to have lasted forever. And and it's not of this place. What else is not of this place that's going to last forever? What can I trust? And in so doing, I, you know, they always say there's four power words. Oh, no. People always say, well, what do I, I want to be a great disciple. What, what do I do? What do I do? And then, of course, there's going to be a long list of things to do. And I found that in the doing, um, it was more transactional and it didn't feel like it was forever. It wasn't, didn't feel perpetual. And then I realized that there's a few times that in scripture, they talk about ways to sacredly hold healing power and there's four states of being. And so instead of doing stuff, and that was the most, he asked me what was the most surprising thing in my diligence of it was, was finding out that I wasn't supposed to be doing anything, I was supposed to be being things. And the four things I'm supposed to be, the language of and the actions of, are long-suffering, gentle persuasion, meekness, and love unfeigned. And in being those things, like, okay, what is the language of long-suffering? What would I, if I'm in a relationship, whatever it is, marriage or on the street at the green light, what is the language of long-suffering? What is the action of gentle persuasion? What is me, what is love? What is, what is the most loving thing? And so in that doing, sorry, I didn't mean doing, in the being of those things, I found heaven un, 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 unlocked for me. And so that was, the, that was the greatest irony that made it very clear to me that I, I need to share this with my family. That's why I wrote it. And then, you know, then it got, you know, then it is where it is today. Yeah, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. I, I love that, uh, that thought, because in a nutshell, it, it's about stop worrying about doing and focus more on being and and right. and that and, and I, that can change as that can change yeah. your whole perspective on everything right because we're not looking we're not looking to go rest in you know a perpetual place of a place we're in a perpetual state of being and that being needs to start by the selfless act of of seeing others as Moroni begged us to do and uh, and speaking of Dallas and Libby your daughter I will t I have to say this. Dallas, I love Dallas, but Libby is one of the greatest humans I've ever met. 
And so I don't know, Blaine, how that happened. <laughs> you know, Brenda, seems, you know, Brenda, seems, you know how it, it happened. Seems, <laughs> it seems greatly ironic, but she's one of the greatest humans I've ever known. So I've, I'm so grateful for you oh, to share that's nice. her with me. It's been, it's been, no, you guys have been, you and Barb have been so good to, to Libby and, and you've been family to Libby, your family to us. And, and, uh, they just, they, so if people that don't know that, that, that Barb and Steve just put their arms around Dallas and Libby when they were over at Stanford and just took care of them, took him in his family. And, and we will never forget that. They took care of us. That's let's be honest. Uh, and, uh, and take, and they continue to take care of us in really unique ways because of the trust that we've developed with each other. And that's a hard, those are hard relationships to come by in the world. And um, I'm very grateful for it. The book is called The Law of Love. It's available through Deseret Book. Steve Young's on The Wise Guys tonight, live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, and wiseguys.com. By the way, we had dinner with Sherry Dew the other night. Yeah, she Thursday night. Best. She said to give you a hug, really? so we're going to give yeah. you a virtual hug. We love I Sherry. I you guys were big time. Oh, yeah. No, Come we, on. Oh, all right. I didn't, I didn't realize. Wise Guys <laughs> is out with the... Uh, in the elite. Listen, we're oh, we're making we're making headway with yeah, yeah. with all your friends. Sherry Sherry was on the show a few Great. weeks ago, and we we went to dinner with her, and it was it was the funnest thing, Steve, because you remember Robert Parker, RP, our running back from from course, from the old days. He's the maitre d at Roos Chris, and and oh, he really? he came in and and all dressed up. He looks fantastic. He's doing fantastic. Oh, and Sherry gave him a big hug and met him and. And uh, he got done with his shift, and, and Sherry and I were talking about when you play on a team, because Sherry, most people don't know, was a two-time first-team all-state first all basketball athlete. player, right? Yeah. Great, Great basketball player, right? Great athlete. So we were talking about teams and brotherhood and all of that. So Robert says, hey, guys, I got to go. My shift is done. Love you guys. Um, and, he, and he walks outside. And then three of our other teammates, uh, Courtney Rogers leading the pack and, and a couple of other guys, they're in town from Southern California on business and they've rented Vespas and they're just driving down the street and they see oh. Robert Parker. So oh. they pull over and say, RP, RP. And, RP, and RP says, hey, guess what? Blaine's in Ruth Chris right here. And they go, can we see him? They're, they're in bike helmets, T-shirts and raggedy shorts. And RP's oh, like, of course you can. So, so RP comes back into Ruth's Christ, parades these guys through the whole thing, comes back, and, and, and we introduce them to, to Sherry and we have a nice visit right there. And then Sherry says... That's what you're talking about. That's what Band of Brothers is. I go, that is what Band of Brothers is right yeah. there. You just come off the street when, when you find out your brother's in the building and you just come see him. It was really, really fun. So. And I appreciate Tom Homo really focusing on, and I know you mean this when you say that, Band of Brothers, the Band of Sisters as well. Like There is a wholeness to our athletic department that Tom has brought that has elevated and, and anyone like he's so focused on making sure that there's no one that's marginalized in the athletic department. And, uh, and I love that. And so the band of brothers really is the band of sisters too, because it yes. feels like even when, you know, my little summer is going to be a senior in high school this year and she's qualified out of nowhere. Last month of May, she tried high jumping, then qualified for the state finals. And so suddenly she's jumped high enough to be recruited. And so we went up to, uh, Oregon for the she was invited to the Nike turn uh, tournament. I see. I don't know the the lady. invitational. The invitational. Invitational, and uh, and 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 met with BYU coaches and and the coaches at BYU, especially track. They're just they're just unique human, wonderful humans. And so Tom has just created this thing that I just want to I want to extend out into the world, uh, and, and has so much. Uh, and that's that band of brothers that we've been starting talking about forever. There is a connection that is deep 
that goes through the athletic department. And I feel that. I feel that in, in amazing ways. Steve Brigham Young, the second president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, died on this day in 1877. I know that. What has it meant to you to represent that last name as the great, great, great grandson? Well, I, I, I mean, I don't think about that a lot. I, I think that at the time there was all kinds of um, uh, challenges in getting a, you know, talk about a band of people just that are trying to survive. And then, exp- and then expanding and flourish. And really so much of the West was settled by those pioneer uh, people and the stories. And, and I don't know if you've ever been cold in your life outside and if you've ever been too hot outside and, and not protected. And like, how do you how do people make it? And those all those years and all that suffering and all those people that have made, you know, you know, the West of America, what it is and, and our religion, what it is. I'm just, I'm grateful for the sacrifice for people. Uh, and, um, and he was the, he was the one who did it. I mean, I, I'll be the first team to tell you that he's not perfect. You know, he is not a perfect person. And in history, we recognize that there was foibles made yeah. that we can appreciate all of the things that happened that were amazing in developing, um, out of, out of the rock, clawing it out of the rock. And I'm very grateful. And I take that uh, toughness and diligence and, you know, sense of sacrifice, certainly kind of feel like a, a real sense of pride about that. Steve, Steve Young's with us on Wise Guys. Super Bowl MVP in 1994 in the NFL Hall of Fame, College Football Hall of Fame, the BYU Hall of Fame. I mean, those, those are titles we use for Steve all the time. I think Steve would just, just be as proud to say great dad, great great husband, great friend, because those are all just as important to Steve. We, we can't, we have to talk a little bit of football. We want to talk all these things because these things are so important and so fun to talk about and people don't get to hear it. But BYU starting a brand new quarterback uh, uh, and that, you know, and you are a, a kingpin in that tradition. Um, the greatest success of any quarterback post BYU in BYU history. So you're part of that great tradition. So now all of a sudden Keaton Slovis is going to take the field. And, and, and I know um, that you, you got his number this afternoon from Dave and we, we hope you're going to reach out to him. That, that's fantastic. He seems like a phenomenal human as Dave and I've had a chance to interact with him. What would you tell him as he takes the field for the first time in a Cougar uniform? Well, I, I, I... <laughs> You don't want to. I don't want to burden somebody. Um, the job is already really hard, and so all I would want him to take in a sense of history and the success of other quarterbacks before him, as a, um, and in the spirit of, um, uh, I don't want it to be pressure. I want it to be. I don't want it to be expectations. I want it to be an invitation to go be great. Um, and I, I think that anyone who plays quarterback needs lots of help, and so hopefully he gets. That help, and I, I love in the last three or four years the offense and A Rod and what he's done and how he thinks about offense is how I feel. Kyle Shanahan feels off about offense and how Randy Reed feels about offense. There's an innovative mind. Uh, he's not unafraid, and he's obviously someone who can coach the position. And I, there are so few places, Blaine, that in the pros and in college that really understand the position of quarterback give the quarterback the chance to and the help that he needs 
and then also recognizing that um, uh, uh, you know every week is you need innovative play calling and you need all of that kind of coming together. So I hope for Keenan that he has that. That he, I, I think we have the coach, we have the offensive philosophy. Well, I think we'll have the offensive line. We've got weapons, and so for him, you know, go play the position. And everyone plays it a little bit differently, but in the end, can I get the ball out of my hand efficiently and 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 effectively? And I'm not making stupid mistakes, and I'm not causing too much grief. And then I can grow from there. I can I can learn as I get experience. And it's the guys that you can sense that every play matters. Every mistake I don't want to see ever again. Everything I'm doing, I'm trying to get a little bit better every time I, I throw the ball. And so that's the spirit of it. And nobody, Jim McMahon, Mark Wilson, myself, none, nobody was great. They, we all grew. We all matured, but we did it quickly. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, so, Keaton, it's like, get in, play some ball, make some mistakes. We don't want to see him again. And, uh, and get, get good fast. That's just how we do it. Get good and, uh, fast. We'll, that's we'll, that's we'll great. You, know, you just need to get good fast. That's great <laughs> yeah, advice. But that's, but that's, but that's I, I think that's the position today yes. in the world. Like, quarterback in the NFL today, quarterback in college, is get trained, get some good help, get someone to call some great plays, be innovative, and now get good fast. Yep. And, and guys, that are, guys that have the, the mentality to do that can do it. And I, and I, I mean, Zach got good fast. <laughs> yeah, you I mean, know, that got good really fast. Yeah. Jalen got good really fast. I'm, so, I'm take you. I'm gonna take you back. Talent. I'm gonna take you back, Steve. I, I was there with you. Um, we were we were back together in in Georgia um, in 1982, September 82. Oh, we're playing Herschel. That was and these not guys. good. No, that was no. Not good. well, but here's the thing. So your first start, it's it's a, against a P5 school. It's your first start against a P5. Um, we're playing we're playing Herschel in number six Georgia in that stadium where they were calling us dog meat all in unison, all 88,000 of them. Right, quite quite the environment. Um, and, and we lost. We lost 17 to 14. Um, then the following week. You know, BYU got beat at home against Air Force in, in the opening expanded Lavelle Edwards Stadium. But then something changed. And you and all of us, what, something changed because we won 18 of the next 21 games um, and, and really went on a run for a couple of years that was unprecedented in college football. What was it that changed? What, what changed about you and what did you learn from, from those first couple of games? And what changed about the team? <laughs> Um, I, I had to, you talk about getting good fast. Like I had to learn, I mean, Jim McMahon had 76 NCAA records. I mean, I remember those I mean, Oh my goodness. We'd watch film, right? See, so be like, my goodness, he's a magician. Oh my gosh. And he was, and technically, I mean, Jim was a nutty guy, but he technically, and I've told Jim to his dad and everybody, I learned to play the position the way I, I play it by watching Jim McMahon. He was technically perfectly a perfect drop set throw quarterback and mm-hmm. he could read fences and and i learned that from him and so i was ready to do it but i was somebody that i needed to get my feet under me and get a sense of like um uh i remember i left the georgia game and i was like i threw six interceptions <laughs> <laughs> What's the last time you had a BYU quarterback throw six interceptions? I, Ty threw like that many in his opener, didn't he? Uh, Something. Maybe half that in the second half. But yeah. six is pretty <laughs> six is pretty standalone. Oh my gosh. And so I, I just 
and I remember at halftime I'd thrown four, I want to say, and Lavelle's like, you know, he came up to me and kind of tried to calm me down. He's like, hey, are you okay? And, you know, is everything, like, you got to settle down. And I turned to him, and I was like, I'm great. Because I felt like, no, 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 I'm, I'm figuring it out. Like, it, I, I, it, won't, it won't stay like this, you know. It'll be fine. And I remember, like, I turned back to Lavelle. I was like, I'm, we're going to be fine. <laughs> he tells the stories like, when I came back at him like that, he's, he wanted to say, well, you're not fine. You're terrible. I'm trying, to pump, I'm trying to pump you up, and you're not feeling the, the gravity of the situation right here. You've thrown four interceptions in the first half in Georgia. We got a problem. And I was like, don't you see the problem? And I, I saw only solutions. So um, maybe that was it. I, I, I knew that I, I had a sense that I could really do something special. I, I just I felt like if I could just keep doing it. And so I had to I had to get it together fast because we'd lost. You can't you can't replace Jim McMahon and lose. You can't throw an interception. You can't throw a, a bad pass. I mean, everyone saw him and remembered him as perfection. And so I loved the idea that I had to be perfect. I knew I couldn't be, but that's just the expectation. Just took me to the level where you never, it never felt like, oh, that's enough. It was like always more. And I, whatever, for me, that was what I needed. I needed to always feel like you don't, you're doing great, but there's more, there's more. And, uh, and I love that. You got good fast. You did. You well, got and, good and, and people, fast. And see, you, I, you may have heard me say, I've better said. Better get good fast or you're out. Yeah, I've said this over and over again. You know it's like, you, like, let me say this. You got to get good fast or it's, you know, it's Pleasant Grove, uh, uh, American Fork, uh, Draper. Like, you're out of town. Like, get out of here. <laughs> get, get going. I, I've, said to, I've said to people many times, you know, publicly, I'm just like, Steve's one of the greatest players in the history of the game. And I said, I, I, I had a front row seat to watch him go from here to here. And I don't know if you can see me on the screen. Like, but, but I said, it was just remarkable because it's like he got better with every snap. He got better with every quarter, with every game. And it never stopped. And it felt like it never stopped even in the National Football League. When, when you were an MVP, it just felt like you were still grinding and trying to get better every play and every quarter and every game. I never saw you stop working at your craft and getting better. It was just remarkable to me that, that you were never satisfied. And so you just kept getting better until you retired as one of the greatest of all time. How, how, does, how do you teach a kid to have that mentality? Because that's the magic sauce right there, Steve. And you had it. Well, have them replace Jim McMahon. That helps. And then replace Joe Montana. And then, like, you know, <laughs> then, like, get on your horse and start riding. Like, I loved, uh, it was brutally hard, but I knew there wasn't, I, I guess for me, I, I had the ability to run. And once I learned to throw the football, thanks to Jim, I could throw it anywhere. I could, I felt like I had this new talent when I went to college. And I didn't know how to throw the football properly when I got to BYU. But I watched Jim, and I was like, oh, and once I, once I felt that, I know all of a sudden it was a, it was as if I had a talent I never knew about. I could throw the ball anywhere at any time in any position. It's like all of a sudden, like and so to me it was all about just getting more opportunity to, to to throw it, and then because I could run around, I could extend it and make people pay. You know, like I could, I could you know you want to drop eight and like I'll just run for fifteen. Like I just and so the next play I'll throw it right by you. And so I. I loved being able to put that kind of pressure on defenses. And, and then because I had help, 
And because I had an innovative offense and a great coach, off we went. And I had that. I never stopped that. I went to the USFL, and I had Sid Gilman was my coach, the great Sid Gilman, one of the greatest fathers of the Ford Pass. Yes. He was like 80 years old. He was like at the end of his career. Gave me some of the greatest wisdom ever about how to throw the football and where to go and how to, you know, how. and he encouraged me. He loved the fact that I could run around. He didn't worry about that I was lefty. And um, and then I and then I had Mike Holmgren again and, and Bill Walsh and Mike Shanahan and Steve. I mean, I had all these phenomenal coaches that just propelled me forward. And I, because I could do, I could threaten, you know, the game in ways that no one else could. It was just so much fun to to be able to read defenses and throw it and and dissect them. And then the one or two times that they would get to us, I could make them pay again. And so I, I, to me, Blaine, I was just trying to get the full measure of myself. Like I, I kept going because there was just more to do. There was more to get. There was more to become. And uh, and I was given the chance in the NFL. So many guys. Oh, I mean, go through so many names that I know that got to these terrible places for quarterbacks mm-hmm. and spent their whole career just just in terrible situations. I And I found my way to San Francisco, and I found my way to a place where they were three generations ahead of everybody else offensively. And I had to sit around a little bit, which was a bummer. But, you know, I knew that once I got there that, you, you know, it was – it was a it was an amazing opportunity. So I I think more than anything, you're right. I I did constantly get better because I had the ability, and I was given the platform to do it. And then I had the ability to just continue to threaten defenses. I, I the game today is my game. Uh, all the great players today are guys that play just like I did, and the game has changed in such a dramatic way uh, because of how they've limited defenses. But the the dual threat quarterback is is going to be the future of 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 the, of the sport forever because of the rules they're not going to make they're not going to try to make it more dangerous and so because of that and so to me um I love that football that I played is now kind of ruling <laughs> yes and, yeah cuz I cuz how many times I had not in San Francisco and not when I was at the LA Express or not when I was at BYU but a lot of places people would say you can't don't we don't like scramblers we don't like it. And I was like, how about a scramble who's best, you know, has the best passer rating in the NFL who can run? How about that? They just didn't get it. You don't like scramblers, but how about the most efficient passer in the game who can run? How about that one for you? And I always loved them trying to tell me, well, you can't have a running quarterback. I'm like, well, how about a quarterback that can, that can completes 80% of the passes and can run? And so I was like, it's, there's an end to this, not an or. And that's why I love what the game today is that my Patrick Mahomes is an is an and guy. Yes, right? yeah. it's like I can be the most efficient thrower of the football in the game, and I can still beat you with my legs. I love that. Yes, me. Steve Young is on the Wise Guys tonight. Vaisek Emma is going to join us in just a second. It's his birthday. He's got a couple of things he'd like to tell you. But before we get to Vi, and then we'll we'll let you get on with your night. Um, last August, when Marie Osmond was here as a guest with Robbie Bosco. Uh, we asked you to submit some questions. You know what's coming. Uh, we asked you to submit questions for Marie to ask Robbie, and she did a great job. Uh, when she wasn't laughing, she was able to deliver that. Well, tonight Robbie has sent us a few questions for us to ask you. He was going to come up, Steve, but Mr. Bishop Robbie Bosco got had got tied up in and interviews. You know what? I say this. If you're going to have Robbie ask me a question, 
He has to be in person. <laughs> look me in the eye with these questions. Here's number one. I yeah. have a feeling I'm going to want him to have looked me in the eye. I Go agree ahead. with it. I agree. Like, I'm going to let Dave do him because I'm not even condoning this. Number so one, Dave can do it. Uh, from Robbie, after your concussion in the 1983 game against Utah State, your backup, Robbie Bosco, came in and led the team to, to a score and seemed to have everything under control. Why do you feel it necessary to come back in on the very next series? <laughs> Because Robbie didn't have it under control. He, was, uh, he only acted like it was. He only went five for five and a touchdown. But I sensed that there was some confusion in the air. And I, I needed to get back on the field before Robbie took my job. Okay. Hey, you know what? I, and I can feel for Robbie because we're, we're playing Ohio State in 82 in the bowl game. And, and they're roughing us up a little bit. And Steve gets like the hardest hit I've ever seen a quarterback ever in. Oh, yeah, remember that, that was he broke my helmet. Yeah. Was that Marcus Merrick and Trevor Kyle? I can't he broke my helmet. Yeah. I turned back and, and a guy hit me. I, I agree with that. It's the hardest I've ever been hit in my life. I, I never saw anything. Like, I, I thought Steve might be out forever, we, we let were sitting, alone for the rest of the game. We were sitting in the stands. So, we thought you were dead. So Mike Mike looks at me. Holmgren looks at me and says, go, you're in. Let's go. Well, don't worry. I'll call stuff for you. And I'm looking. I'm thinking, we're getting killed out here. Like, um, So I go in. And a couple of plays later, Steve comes running back in. <laughs> and, and I come out. And Holmgren says to me, what are you doing? And I said, Steve's in. He goes, Steve who? I said, Steve Young. He goes, Steve Young is not back in. Did you see the hit? I'm going to know he's back in. He just sent me out. He's back in. Mike's like, well, this will be interesting. No, Steve came back in. And he, so he, Steve always feels the need to come back All right, in. Here's question number two. <laughs> question number two from Robbie Bosco. Uh, Steve, why did you quit taking me golfing after signing such a huge contract the summer we were hanging out? That's inside baseball because I don't know what he's talking about, but apparently it's still it's still bugging him. Well, bro, I, I, there was not like like he's trying to create division. You know, I'm about love, and I'm not going to go this way. I'm not going to go into this divisive conversation with Robbie that he was. You know, the little brother that just you know was like uh, I wouldn't let go of my pant leg. Like you know, I'm not going to give that image. Of this little kid that just wouldn't let me go. <laughs> because all of us big boys are, no, he's a, I think more than anything golfing with Robbie, and I will say this, Robbie's a really good golfer, and the, and I've had very much jealousy uh, because he makes golf look really easy, and golf has always been really hard for me. So that's probably why I left him behind, because he was making me look bad. Yeah, Robbie's a phenomenal Thank player. You. Thank yeah. you for that, Robbie's uh, Robbie's questions. And, hey, Steve, we're going to bring in Vice Sikahema on his birthday. Elder Sikahema right there. Steve, do you have any advice for Elder Sikahema hey, as he uh, moves why? forward? It's your pee day, bro. You don't have to wear Why has he got a white shirt on? You're okay. Like, it's okay. Steve. This is my, this is my, these are my, my pajamas. <laughs> I, I, I sleep, I sleep in a white shirt. I take the tie off when I go to sleep, but I keep the oh white boy. shirt. Oh, oh my goodness. Oh man, look at him right there. Hey, I can't tell you, this guy had more life, more stories, more, uh, you talk about a healer. He was a guy that could, you could be tension and he could break it with a great story, a great joke. Nothing ever brought him down. By, uh, and he was one of the guys our freshman year. We had a lot of guys our freshman year. And, Steve. And he was Steve, one of the guys. We, yeah, Steve. He we, was one of the guys were, that played right away. I, he, like, there was a lot, this is a tough team to break into. There was a lot of great players. And Vice showed up as a freshman, and they put him right out there. It took me it was, to get out there. It was like, Steve, it was like gladi gladiator school our freshman year. Yeah. It was like gladiator school. It was like the toughest 
baddest dudes were going to survive. And, and, and frankly, Steve, uh, we weren't sure what to make of Steve because he was kind of, you know, he was, an, it was clear he was an intellect. Uh, so that made him different from the rest of us uh, knuckleheads who were there. Um, but but Steve had just enormous uh, athletic talent. And that was clear. I remember one night we were walking uh, uh, from from the Cannon Center after a, a, a meal. We were walking up to the library. I don't know why I was going to the library. You were you were at the library all the there time. There was a girl up there you were going to meet. So I, <laughs> I guarantee it. I guarantee that too. I, I, but I remember Steve just lamenting the fact that he, he had made a serious mistake. And I remember the school that you were talking about. Steven wanted to go to – he felt like he should have gone to North Carolina. Wasn't that one of the schools, Steve, that recruited you hard? memory. That tells you that you know, you know the story because I was, I was a freshman. I show up, and in the, in the, in this is a great – you know the story. I'm eighth string on the depth chart. Eighth string on the depth chart. You know what that means? I'm running the plays of Wyoming and Utah and, Federal, and, and Kyle Woodingham's killing me trying to, you know, the, the defense doesn't, they're, they're too stupid to know that I'm just a BOE quarterback acting like the Utah quarterback. And so I was getting killed. And I remember talking to Vi. I was, I was down as I've ever been. And I said, Vi, I could have been starting at North Carolina right now. And I'm just, they don't even know my name here. I don't yeah. even know what I'm doing here. And I was like, that's when I called my dad. I said, dad, I'm coming home. And my dad said, I don't live with quitters, bro. So that was it. <laughs> that, that was Vi. I can't believe that was you that I was complaining to coming out of the Kansas City. Did Vi no, give but, you any advice? What did Vi tell you on that big night? I, I, Vi's like, I don't know your name either, bro. <laughs> I, I, wanted, I, wanted to know, I wanted to know if I could go with them. You know, let's go. Hey, if they had the transfer portal back then, uh, Steve, Steve and I would have left that first semester. <laughs> we, we had we just felt so out of place. I had committed to go to Arizona State because I you know I was a running back. I wanted to go to Arizona State, but Frank Cush got fired the month before the signing date, and I called Lavelle and I said, uh, "Is there still a scholarship left?" And he said, "We'll make some changes, but you need to sign and come. We need, I, we need to know this week. If you're not coming, then uh, the scholarship's going somewhere else." And I ended up going to BYU under those under those terms. Um, but we had, it, it, honestly, it, that that freshman class. Uh, think about this: three number one draft picks, Steve Young, Gordon Hudson, and and, and Todd Shell. That's Alabama like in twenty third, you know, twenty twenty two. Uh, you know, it, we had three number one draft picks come out of our class, um, and 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 and. Lee Johnson was in our class. He played what 19, 20 years in the NFL. He played more times than most anyone has ever played. Jim Herman was a pro for a while. You played pro ball for forever. Bruce Hansen played. Bruce Hansen played for a while. Wayne Adam played for years. Adam, I mean, we had some we had some horses on that, uh, but we didn't really know it until you know probably. I, I think maybe we had some sense our freshman year that we were, you know, we were a pretty good class, but we, you know, we didn't have anything to compare it to, but we just knew that it was, Hey, by the way, uh, Steve always loves to tell the story of uh, that. He was eighth on the, on the depth chart. Uh, now I'm going to put Steve on the, I'm trying to think of the eight quarterbacks because I was there the next year. I don't remember. Okay, we had eight. Jim, Jim Wait, Kimball, Eric Chris yeah, Marzik. Yeah, no, 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 no. Royce. Okay. Biden. okay Royce. Royce yeah. Biden. Eric Chris Marzik. Um, uh, 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 Mark Halgo. Yeah. Oh yeah, I forgot Mark. Uh, uh, how many is that? Five, six. 
Well, you didn't uh, say Jim because obviously Jim was, was there. We got, there, was um, a, there was a guy from California named Mike. He had a mustache. Yeah, uh, 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 Mike. Um, was it Wilson? Yeah, not Will. It was Mike. Um, you know what I'm talking about. The mustache. He had the mustache. Yeah. He had the mustache. And then, uh, Jim and Mark and Eric and. Uh, We're missing somebody, but that's seven Coach right there. Royce, Everybody Jim was on scholarship. Yeah, I was, I was, I was, I was eight string. There was like, and then uh, I remember. Uh, do you remember Andy Reid? You see, you went, you were in varsity right away, Vi. I mean, Vi went right up. Vi, Vi was like, oh, he's a superstar. The rest no. of us, like JV, we had to go down to LUNLV <laughs> on the AstroTurf on 130 degrees. The shoes, of my Nikes. I believe melted. it. I they believe melted. it. They melted. And we ran the wishbone because we'd been playing the wishbone ready for the Wyoming game. And Andy Reid's like, Steve, you run the wishbone so well. We're going to go down. And so now I'm trying to play for BYU, and I'm running the freaking Wyoming wishbone for <laughs> BYU. And and we go down to the game, and Andy Reid, it's my turn to start because Mark Halgo and Jim Kimmel and I always we traded starts in the JVs. And Mark Halgo's dad came down to the game, traveled from Minnesota, and Reed walks into the locker room before the game goes, hey, Steve, Mark Algo's dad has flown in from Minnesota. Do you mind if he starts today, you know, because his dad's here? I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Algo's dad can come next week to the airport, bro, because this is my shot. Andy Reid's trying to take my shot away. Oh, yeah. oh my goodness! I got a question I, for both of you. Who's who's most surprised, uh, Steve, that that Vi is a general authority of the church, or Vi that Steve's writing books about love? Both pretty surprising. <laughs> pretty surprising. I think we both. We, you know what? I, in our group of guys, there was a there was a there was a vicious uh, faith. You know, what I mean, it was like we we were guys that had been from a long ways away. Like I came from a long ways away. Jim Herman came from places away. I came from places away. There's a lot of, like, I, I say vicious faith when I'm saying it's been tested. Like it's, it wasn't, wasn't, we didn't have to go show it all. We just, we've been through it a little bit. And so I think there was a sense that no matter what, I tell you what, what we didn't, what I never wondered is the both of us be here today kind of with, you know, pretty strong faith still. That's for sure. Yeah. Yep. That's great. I agree with that. Hey, um, I mean, uh, seriously, uh, if 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 you just go back that 1980 group, um, I, if if you if you would have said, hey, two guys out of that class, one's going to be a Hall of Fame in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and the other one's going to be a general authority, nobody would have picked the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> Who would they have picked? Who would they have yeah, picked? Yeah, like pick pick the guys. That's what I want to know. Who well, I don't know. I, 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 that'd be that'd be a hard one because uh, yeah, uh, huh. Maybe he ended up would have picked this divide. Maybe we just don't realize that. Uh... Hey, you know what? You know why it would have been hard to pick? It's because guys like uh, like Wayman Hamilton, right? Who was who was about as crazy? He didn't want to come to BYU. He was recruited by USC, Oklahoma, all the big schools, and right. That's I, right. He hated he hated BYU. He hated Provo, but he came because his mother joined the church when he when we were seniors, and and he came here because his mother. Uh, committed him to come to BYU, and and that guy is—he's been in like three bishoprics now. He, I think he's on his fourth bishopric, uh, you know, YSA bishopric in pro. It, that may be an even bigger reach, Steve. If, if you knew Wayman the way we knew Wayman, right? Like, if yes. You knew Wayman the way we knew Wayman. 
that's a bigger reach. Yeah. Uh, but that, but it speaks of how far we've all come in the 40 yeah. years past. I mean, I'm just oh, so proud of, of everybody. Yeah, you guys have been great. What a good time. I mean, that's, you talk about the heyday. Lavelle Edwards and his heyday. That's not a heyday. I mean, it was that's, the stadium had just been expanded. Uh, expectations that we would be undefeated and and uh, every year and uh, have some good times. Wow, so, so many good times, so many fun times. And and Vi, we really were all friends. We, we we got along. We had a we had a great time and a lot of a lot of a lot of good times. With Lee Johnson and. And 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 Scott Robinson and you know, Scott. these guys. Scotty. So, so I have a question for you guys because we get I get asked this all the time, right? And you know I've was back there with you guys. Didn't didn't come till the next year in '81. And and uh, um, but but then I've been part of this for all of these years. And everybody always asks me, what's the what are the be- what's the greatest team of all time at BYU? And and so you know, Vi and I were part of that '84 team. I always have to mention that. But my next, I'm my, I'm always like the '83 team from a talent perspective. That one that Steve quarterbacked, and you know, we went down and lost that opener at Baylor, but then came back and just didn't lose. And then it became like I never thought we were ever going to lose a football game again. You know, after after we got rolling in '83 and into '84 and into '85. The 96ers all say, well, what about us, right? And then, and then Jim always says, are you dis- Blaine, are you discounting? Jimmy Mack always like, Blaine, are you discounting 1980? Like, come yeah. on, that team was crazy good. So it always comes yeah. down to 80, 83, 84, and 96. What do you guys think? What's your vote on that? Well, I, I, I watched 80 painfully because I had to sit from uh, – I remember Brian Hazelgren because I didn't get to go on the travel squad as a freshman – I was up in his cabin up in the uh, outside of Heber, and we were listening on KSL, just sad, like two sad sacks, listening to and just, you know, they beat UTEP 75 to nothing, and, like, they were just killing people. And so it's like I, I actually i am not going to be part of the bar fight, which is like these dumb questions that you just asked, Blaine. Oh, gonna, come on. I'm going to appreciate, I'm going to appreciate greatness. When I see great, it's like me, Peyton Manning or Tom Brady in the last 20 years, it's like, can we not appreciate the greatness and then just kind of like accept it? Or do we need to pick one? And then I say to myself, okay, if you put a gun to my head, of course it's 83. But anyway, I'm not going <laughs> to. Here's a question uh, that, uh, that I want to ask you about Steve. So Steve was a football, baseball, and basketball star on the East Coast in high school. Danny Ainge was a star in the same sports on the West Coast. In a cage fight to settle who was the better athlete, who wins? Ainge, wow, he was so good, man. Ainge has the height and the reach. Good. Yeah, he was good, and he was good in other. I'm, I'm, oh, I don't answer that because I'm sitting here, you know, because <laughs> I think you'd probably say Danny, but, but I will tell you, Vi, I don't know if you remember, but I, I convinced Floyd Johnson, who was the equipment manager, because you couldn't get a, you could not that eighty basketball team. With Fred Roberts and and Runya and, yeah. and Trumbo uh, and Trumbo. yeah, okay. oh what a it. team! You couldn't get in. You couldn't get in. And so I told Floyd, if I cleaned up the towels in the in the visitors' locker room, can I sit? I sat on the visiting bench uh, uh, at the end of the bench, handing out towels my freshman year, so I could get a seat to see the great Danny Ainge play. Wow! Because he was unbelievable. He was unbelievable. Vi, did you want to answer that, or are you just going to stay, stay quiet? Uh, no, you, you know what? 
I, I think I think the fact that that I, I would only lean to to Danny because he played professional sports in two sports. That's right. Uh, well, that's, I would say this: makes, he's much better basketball player. I'm a better football player than him. He didn't it throw comes a down to baseball. You threw he a no hitter. Played pro baseball for a little while, didn't he? Yeah, yeah but I don't think he threw a no hitter. Yeah, you threw a no hitter in high school, Steve. Yeah. Steve threw a no hitter in high yes, school. Yes, he did. Yes, New, he hey, did. New Canaan High School's never been the same since they never faced the they Steve Young. <laughs> did you just have what pitches would you throw? Did you have magic that day when you threw a no hitter? The high heater, the inside heater, <laughs> and the outside heater. <laughs> I love it. Steve is a lefty. Hey, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know if you guys, uh, I'll tell you the, the, a real quick story. Um, that I had a role in Steve going to San Francisco. I, I may have shared this with Blaine. Yes, you, you uh, told me, but I want and, you to tell and, this, yeah. And, and Steve will remember the stories that happen as it rolls out. Steve is, you know, he, he's in Tampa, and we're, my rookie year we're playing, I think it may have been uh, Steve's second year there after he left the USFL, but we're, we're playing the last game of the season in St. Louis. And, uh, and both teams are like three and – you know, three oh, and twelve going oh into that last game. You remember this, Steve? Yeah, you set a and you had a you set an NFL record that day. I watched you because we we were both whoever lost was going to get the, the first pick. choice, and exactly. so our team wouldn't. You you returned like four punts for touchdowns. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody would tackle because we had to lose. And I <laughs> I returned. I amazing re- that day. <laughs> I returned two punts for touchdowns in the second quarter, and we win twenty-one seventeen. And and Steve had you know all, all Steve had was uh, was James Wilder, maybe one you know probably one of the top three backs in the NFL. Yes. There, there was no one else. There was no one else on that team. So because we won, people uh, in the organization were so mad that we won that game because they wanted the first pick. Because they won it off of your kicks. I know where you're going. If you hadn't returned those kicks, we would have won, and then you would have the first pick, and I would have not gotten out of Tampa because they wouldn't have taken Vinny Testaverde because Ray Perkins hated lefties and hated southpaws, and I wouldn't have gotten to San Francisco. I do owe you my life. I owe you my life. I forgot about that. I do owe you everything. Oh, my gosh. Steve and I have had life. I forgot about that. When, when Steve writes his next book, he'll, oh. he'll include. Yes. Bicycle Hammer does return two punts for touchdowns. And Steve, here's what happened to me. We, it was the last game of the season, and the next day was a Monday. We voted on the Pro Bowl because of those two punt returns. I get to go to the Pro Bowl, and my agent had negotiated. They call them escalator clauses. Um, and, and if you reach certain things, that they would tear up your contract. And one of them that he put in was if – if I go to the Pro Bowl as a rookie, they tear up my contract and would pay me the however whoever was the, making the so most. We made you, pay. we made you rich, and you made. And me. You guys are best friends. Hamo did it for me all I the way back. <laughs> I'm glad we're oh, able my, my, in 2023. But Vice to, Vi told me this story before. I didn't realize that you that Steve didn't even know this story, Vi. I can't even well, I believe knew, Steve I didn't know I it. Known it deep down he before, was there. He knows the story. Together because we had to lose to get that pick and that we lost. 
and he made it happen. And I think the Cardinals were trying to lose too. Nobody. It was amazing. The line of scrimmage was like no one really moved. And then kind of like fell back nobody, nobody's covering punts. Nobody had to. And Vi was the one's like, hey, you know what? Too bad. I'm going for the Pro Bowl. <laughs> no, nobody was. Nobody was trying. Nobody was trying. But I'm the 53rd man on the on the roster. On the 53 man roster. I'm, I'm trying to get my get a job the next year, so uh, I'm the is, only one going 110. percent That is awesome. Hey, Pure listen, gold. our live stream's hopping tonight. Richard just joined us from Panama. We've got folks from all around the world. We've got Japan in the house, Panama in the up. house, Australia in the house tonight. It's so cool that this is all over the world tonight. So we're gonna, Steve, we're gonna let you go here. We're gonna hit you with five quick questions. We ask all our guests. We put Robbie through yeah. it. We put Marie through it. We're gonna put Vi through yeah, it Vi, here Vi in just gets a little to listen. bit. He has the the benefit of listening to your five questions, and you're not supposed to think about these. You just first thing that comes right. to your head, and uh, so here we go. Your favorite sports movie? Oh my gosh, favorite sports movie? Uh, um, uh, Roy Hobbs. Um, oh, the the Natural. The Natural. The With Natural. Redford, yeah. Favorite singer or band? Vice plugging his ears. Yeah. Oh, vice uh, singer or band? Uh, that changes through the years, of course. Um, Who's today? Today, I have to remind Steve that uh, I don't remember what year it was, but he and I and Herm and Lee and Brenda and some girls. Oh yeah, we, we went to Earth, Wind, and Fire back in the yeah, day. Yeah, we went to Earth, Wind, and Fire, and we also <laughs> went to the Janet yeah. Jackson concert together. Yeah, so we were like, there's some great stuff. But uh, today's probably Young the Giant, or um, or I tell you what, there's some country music. I, I was never a really country fan, but I've become a real appreciator of some of the great, you know, tr- uh, uh, Keith Urban. Or no, old school, new, time, new, new uh, uh, Dan like, and Shay. Uh, oh, newer, come on, come on. Um, Alan Jackson, Garth Brooks. Oh, that's old, uh, Vi. That's old. That's, that's a, stay out of this, Vi. That's old. So, anyway, but anyway, Young you, the Giant. We'll I have to say, way. two of my favorite Young singers that, that Steve will agree with. These are two of our favorite singers: Libby Lloyd, Libby Fowler Lloyd, and, and right. Brayden Young are two of our favorite that's singers. Right? right? They yeah. definitely are. Right, Steve. Steve, yeah. Steve's son, Brayden, um, just he just graduated from art school, right, Steve? Yeah, so he's uh, he's down in Utah. He's down at the Utah Shakespeare Festival that's, all summer. That's right. Month, so. Awesome. We we need Don't to get down. Brayden Brayden need to get down to see play. him. We're gonna see him. We're gonna see him on Thursday. So awesome. Yeah. So Bra- Braden Manhattan um, School of Music, Manhattan School of Arts, just graduated. So phenomenal. Okay. Favorite breakfast cereal. I don't eat cereal anymore. So it used to be Captain Crunch, but my ah, oh, Dave's gonna be so happy because that's his favorite. Made my, made my mouth bleed, so I encourage people. Listen, not you gotta let that mouth. sit in the milk for a few minutes, and then the, they yeah. won't bring blood out. Yeah, it's just I don't, I don't, cereal. It's like uh, yeah, cereal's out for me. So, so I, have to, I have to tell you. Cereal's so we asked out. Danny Ainge this when he's on. Danny's like, uh, shredded wheat. <laughs> We're like. Surely, like frosted shredded wheat. He goes, no, like just the plain old ones, and like little hay bales. He said it with oh, a pause oh. too. And he we're just like, said what? shredded wheat, and it was like dead air. And, and we're then like, we found out that that his wife makes him eat it since he's had heart problems. So that's not his favorite. All right, number four, Steve. Favorite stadium to play in? Uh, if I could play today, it'd be on SoFi. That's an amazing stadium in Los Angeles. Yeah. But I loved, I loved playing anywhere in San Diego or L.A. back in the day because the turf was amazing, and the weather was always great. Um, yeah, so those are my favorite stadiums. Right. And, then, and then the last one, um, favorite Lavelle Edwards memory. <laughs> We're at the Hula Bowl. He's the coach of this all-star game of the Hula Bowl. And so all these all-stars from all over the country are playing. That's Reggie White was there. Um, I mean, there's some phenomenal players that were there. And he was the head coach. And he, he started the offensive meeting. 
and he's like, okay, guys, we're going to run, you know, a few plays here. And, and he starts to should get up to kind of draw him off. <laughs> Classic Lavelle. He's like, ah, Steve, you draw him off. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember him all. Because <laughs> Lavelle was... Well, that was an organizer, right? He was an inspiration. He was a, you know, he, he was, not the details weren't the thing that he was really focused on. And so he got up in the global to try to talk to everybody. He's like, 66, uh, you know, uh, yeah, Steve, right, draw this up. You know? <laughs> That's awesome. Great Lavelle Edwards. 66, right. inside out, away from Mike, right? That's the read. Yeah, right? Inside That's the read. Out. Inside out, away from Mike. That's what we were supposed to do. Steve, do you have any birthday wishes for Vi before you go? Oh, Vi, happy birthday, man. That's amazing. We've known each other since we were teenage kids, man. So yeah. we've, we've been we've been buddies for 40-plus years. So yeah. I'm proud of you, Steve. I, I feel like I track him. Every time I see someone, like, I just saw Vi. I just saw Vi. He's everywhere. He is everywhere. Yeah. So so Steve, ever since he went on his mission to... North Platte, Nebraska. <laughs> no, North. Hey, he dragged me back one summer, Steve, to do football camps all over North Dakota. Oh, that was that was that was uh, that was Floyd Johnson that was sending us out there. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know what we did? We to to kill time. We sat on the front porch and watched the dog run away for like nine hours because we could see it for nine hours because we couldn't see okay, anything I'll else. I'll tell you, my freshman year, there was not a meeting house in the state of Utah. You can't name a town that was smaller than we went down to speak at from Floyd Johnson assigned oh, yes. for Fireside. That's the we, truth. That's Edna, the truth. Edna, you Edna. Need to just tell me some stuff. You're going to go to the Ward House in, like, uh, outside of Tooele. What was that little town? Like, but, but, all, but all that Floyd had us do, you guys, over those years, that's what shaped us. That's for sure, right? The yeah. great Floyd Johnson. Much love to all you guys. This Steve, is amazing. we kept you way longer than, than we said. I apologize for that, but I don't really because I loved having you on. We appreciate you. We love great. you, man. Give uh, Barb uh, our best guys. and Bye. see you soon. Give, Bar give Barb a big love, hug and you guys you, be Steve. safe coming over. Now the truth of who saved my career. There you go. Bye, hey, sick Steve, That's it. You, from the position I now hold, I thank you, Steve, for all the good you've done. Um, to advance the work of the church, um, you you are. And by the way, uh, I was happy you, you came on until these guys broke the news that this is the day that Brigham Young died. It's my birthday, and I didn't know it was the day that Brigham Young died. Thanks for that. Listen, when we have one of the great Youngs on the show, uh, the anniversary of that, it it, uh, it has to come out. That, that yes, Young so on right. the back of those jerseys has meant so much. I think birthday. That's all I know. That's we'll just remember it as that. So <laughs> thanks, thanks, Steve. Steve. You guys take care. Great Steve Young on the Wise Guys tonight. You're going to want to listen to this podcast over and over again. It will be available in the morning, and and we're on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. And uh, what a what a great hour! And that brings us to our official next guest is celebrating his birthday tonight. The former broadcaster, NFL punt returner, and the freshman who really won the 1980 Miracle Bowl because if it wasn't for his punt return for a touchdown. Jim McMahon's Hail Mary to Clay Brown would have meant Jack Squat. He's also <laughs> a general authority for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Our pleasure to welcome national champion Elder Vice you have to, add to, to the wise you have guys. to add to every introduction of him now and the guy that saved Steve and Young's career. And the guy career. that saved Steve Young's career. It was fun yeah. to Vi, it was fun to hear his reaction to your story. Right? I see it's been so long. Uh it's been nearly 40 years since the uh, incident happened, but uh but, but I remember, uh, you know, after the game, we came up and 
shook my hand and, you know, he was, he was kind of down, but I think he was also happy that he knew he was going to, he didn't know he was going to head to San Francisco, but he knew that this was going to be his ticket out. And he gave me a big hug on the field afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> well, it worked out for both of you. Hey, what'd your wife, uh, Kayla, get you for your birthday? She went and got me some barbecue from a little place around the corner here. Uh, can I uh, can I uh, say it or yeah, not? absolutely. Yeah. Hey, this is our podcast. We can say whatever we want. I think it's called R and B Barbecue here in Salt Lake, and it was yummy, delicious. Where's Where's Kayla? Is she gonna make an appearance on the show tonight? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna walk into the living yeah. room right now. So and and I like you were originally gonna come down, and then Kayla nixed it because she said that it's your birthday and you had to stay up home. Um, so as you get older, while you're walking in there, so so everybody can meet Kayla. Um, do birthdays become a bigger deal to you, or are they less of a big deal to you? Less, he... It's not as big a deal. Uh, can, all right, she's giving me. She's giving me the. Chaos. That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. Brenda said you didn't come down and and just stay at the house and visit with her while I came in studio with us. I'll just tell her that. So. Uh, uh, she's she's watching in the other. Uh, okay. Okay. We love you, Kayla. On the TV, so uh, so she knows. We're glad. Uh, we're just glad to have you on your birthday for a little bit. What's that 1984 championship meant to you over the years? Um, it's it's meant a lot. Um, primarily because of the lessons learned from being a part of that great team, and and um, not only the the life lessons that we all learned, Blaine. You know, just being a part of a team, teamwork. You know, work ethic. Um, learning to work together for a common goal, all those things. But also, the rela- probably more than anything, the relationships. It's been 40 years, and we've only lost a handful of guys from that team. Craig Garrick is one of them yeah. uh, that, that pops, uh, pops Ka- in Kyle Morrell, our, our guy Kyle, Kyle Morrell. Yeah. Uh, our two captains. Two Danny Plater. Yeah, Mark, Mark Allen. Yeah. Danny Plater wasn't on that team. No, no. He was yeah, yeah. Mark, Mark Allen. Mark yeah. Allen was uh, was one of our uh, cornerbacks, but it's – it's been the relationships. We see each other just like I, you know, I heard you guys talking to Steve about this band of brothers and band of sisters. We, we, we really have it. Um, and I think, I think the connection that we have is, is strengthened by the fact that we attended a, a, a religious school. Um, I, you know, when I was back in Philadelphia, guys would say, uh, you know, there's a special bond. Everybody knows about it throughout the NFL about Notre Dame guys, and um, and guys would tell me, but there's something different about you, you BYU guys. And they were saying that to me and Jim when I was with the Eagles because Jim, when I came to the Eagles, Jim had a car dealership uh, deal. I, I was nobody. Jim went to the car dealership and said, "Hey, I want you to get buy a car," and they said, uh, "You know." Well, you know, he's, he's a punt returner. I don't care. Get him a car. <laughs> and, and then he came to me and he said, hey, don't, don't even bother shipping your cars from Arizona. We've got, I've got you taken care of. That, it's that kind of thing. And by the way, uh, Jim left the next year, and I stayed, and, and I got the car dealer. Uh, uh, sweet deal that Jim set up. And every BYU guy that came along after, it didn't matter how big a star, how little a star, Ty Detmer, Morris Unutoa, uh, Chad Lewis, they all got the, the the car dealer. You mean to uh, tell me Reno Mahe got a car deal back there? Reno Mahe got he got more than that. He got restaurant deals. Oh, got- but Re- <laughs> Reno took Vi and I one time on a 
on a drive around South Philly in the Chickies and Pete's van. Chickie Mobile. <laughs> yeah, we went around. We were in, yeah. And then they drove. Then we drove into the state championship football game in the van <laughs> into the end of the stadium. And I'm like, are we going to get arrested for this? And and like Reno was like, calm down. I'm Reno Mahe, and this is Vi Sikahema. <laughs> and the police officers looked in and they're like, oh. Reno and Vi, no problem. Pull right into the stadium. We stood on the sideline and watched the state championship football game, parochial school state championship football game. Because I was, it was because, oh, it's Reno and Vi. Let them in. That's what the cops said. So, you guys were ruling that place back in those days with Andy as the coach. You got you got got two knucklehead Tongans in the same place in the same city. That uh, you know, yeah, it's never good. Hey, Hey. speaking of Tongans. You, you share a unique heritage uh, with, with Kalani Sataki, BYU's current head coach, where you were the first Tongan to play in the NFL. And, and Kalani's the first Tongan to be a Division One head coach. Um, that, that's a pretty cool thing that you guys have in common. What's impressed you the most about Kalani as the Cougars head coach? Kalani's just, he's a connector. He's, he's a connector, and he's... Um... He's he's very organized and and um, um, just does a great. He, he connects with these kids. Um, you know, they're they're a generation younger than he is. You know, Kalani's got to be in his mid forties, I'm guessing. Um, and and he connects with these 17, 18, 19 year old kids um, because he just knows them and he knows their challenges he knows their strengths their weaknesses the things that, that keep them up at night and um and and he knows how to help them um you know i i i, I told Kalani the day that uh they had the big 12 um press conference and um i i, I read about it first and then i went i went and looked it up on youtube and, and saw it when he just got up and made a declarative statement this is who we are we are a church-based uh, institution, and that institution is the Church of Jesus Christ. We believe in Jesus Christ, we honor Him, and we worship Him, and that's who we are. And we're not going to... I love... And I told him afterwards, uh, I saw him maybe a week or so later, I told him, I said, I love that you leaned into it. Lean into it. Um, don't don't turn from it, but, you know, I'm speaking to the choir. I, um, I, I love that he stood up and and declared to the Big Twelve uh, media, yeah, that this is who we are, and this is who we're going to be. We're going to continue to be, and this is our mission, and we're not going to shy away from it. Um, and and part of that mission is to win games. <laughs> that's what we're going to be here. To, that's what we're going to do. I, I I love that. I wrote an article about that in the Deseret News. We got a lot of play. Uh, a Division One head football coach talking about. Jesus and his football team and the Big 12 in the same paragraph in a conference where, you know what, that's not that far out there. This is a, this is a unique Big 12 for BYU and, it, and its culture, it seems. It is. You, you, yeah, you just think about the areas, um, you know, where they're going to be playing games. I, um, many of these areas, I'm in the Northeast area presidency, and, and some of these areas, uh, West Virginia is in the Northeast area of the church. Um, and, um, and you know, what I'm fascinated by is just how, um, just how religious people are. I, I raised my family in Philadelphia area, um, and maybe not so much there, but uh, areas like Virginia, 
um, you know, those areas, there's churches on every street corner. They, and, 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 you know, people just, when they wave at you, they say, God bless, you know, they're, they're God fearing. They, they love the Lord. Um, you know, they're, they, they read the Bible and, and I, th- I think it's going to be, I think it's, I think it's going to be great for us. Uh, you know, we're 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 there with with other like-minded institutions. I think, yeah. and, um, and I think it's going to be great. You know, by you and I and, and Dave were out to lunch a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about. You know, I'm lucky. I have I have a coach on the staff that also happens to be a son of mine, right? And and he was talking about, and I was sharing this with you guys, how Kalani had said to them, um, "We will not apologize for who we are." or the honor code or any of that in our recruiting. In fact, it should be a huge advantage to us because we're unique. And there are enough good players out there and they don't all have to be members of our faith that value those standards and an honor code and what we can give to them here and our religious folks. And, and so we're not going to brush it under the carpet. We're not going to make it seem like it's a small thing. We're going to lead with it and we're going to use that as an advantage in our recruiting. And it's really started to, to pay off. What, what's your thought on Kalani, like taking that stand in recruiting and just leading with who they are? This is, this is how I see it, Blaine. This is reminiscent of, uh, and we, we, all three of us are too young to have remembered when this actually happened. But in the early 1970s, um, Lavelle Rubin Edwards decided that he would lean into uh, keeping scholarships for his missionaries who went on missions and they would come back. And, 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 they, and even at BYU, they hadn't done that. The, the coaches before Lavelle, Tommy Hutchbeth and, and others, if you left on a mission, you were done. Um, you know, you, you can come back, but they didn't hold a scholarship for you. And Lavelle decided, I'm going to hold scholarships for these guys. If they go serve the Lord, they deserve to have their scholarships here when they got back. And that was, and, and, you know this because uh, you probably had started thinking about BYU probably in the 70s at some point. And by then, um, you know, schools were looking at us going, hey, wait a minute. This is a huge disadvantage for us because we're playing, you know, 25-year-olds, you know. And all of a sudden, it was what had been a, a disadvantage for us had suddenly, for some schools, um, you know, they, they were saying that it was a big advantage for us. And, and Lavelle just leaned into it. But I don't, Lavelle didn't do it for that reason to get an advantage. Lavelle did it because it was the right thing to do. It was the mission of the church. Uh, the prophet at the time, Spencer W. Kimball, had made a clarion call for every worthy young man to go serve a mission. And, um, and, and Lavelle just decided, I'm going to do the right thing. And the right thing turned out to be a great thing for BYU. And it's the same thing that I, I think, you know, and it, it, it's very similar to what Kalani is doing. Um, let's lean into this. You know, the, the honor code may actually be a help because I think there's a bunch of kids out there who are not of our faith. And, and the kids like Tyler Algier, yeah, good example, right? Came to BYU. I think he walked on. Um, he had a chance to go to some other places. But Kalani told me, he says he came here because uh, because of his values. And, and that's that's exactly, you know, what he got. And, and we, you know, we, we took advantage of a, 
an opportunity to get a kid like that. And I think there are other kids like that. And there's probably some on the team. I don't know the roster well enough. You guys are. Hey, I'll, I'll, you I'll guys maybe do. surprise everybody with this. I don't know if this is surprising, but but Dave and I have had a couple of conversations uh, with Keaton Slovis. Dave, you just sat down with Keaton again. But yeah. had a couple of really good conversations with Keaton about why he's at BYU right now. Because there was a lot of schools with maybe bigger names at BYU that wanted Keaton to transfer from Pitt. And he said the two most important things uh, to me were, first and foremost, culture. Where do I fit in? Where, where are there going to be people like-minded with me? Where am I going to be comfortable as a human being with who I am? Um, and he felt like BYU checked that box in a huge way. And he even admitted that USC wasn't a great fit for him, even though he was breaking records and you know Heisman Trophy candidate as a freshman and sophomore. Um, BYU is a much better fit for him culturally. Um, and then he said, I also want to be in a place where they run a pro-style offense. Steve talked about this on previously with us, Steve Young, where, where I could learn from somebody that would be innovative and prepare me better for the National Football League. Those are the two reasons Keaton Slovis chose to come to BYU. And one of the biggest factors was culture yeah. over everything else. So, so Keaton, and, and now we're hearing from everybody, what a great leader. Oh, my goodness, he fits in so well. He fits in up on campus. He fits in like... So there you go. Keaton Slovis is this hey, year's Tyler Algier. Linda Murray on our live stream. Cody Epps. Yep. Be another one to fit in that. Yep. Aiden Robbins. Another one to fit in that category for yes. sure. Yes. Elder Vaisikahemas on the Wise Guys tonight. We're live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, and YSGuys.com. Please continue on our stream to let us know where you're watching from. During Vise's four years at BYU, 80, 81, 84, and 85 with a church mission in between. His BYU teams went 47 and 6. Yikes. 47 and 6. I don't know what happened in the 6, but the 47's really, really good. Now, UTEP's in there. Neither of us are going to address that. <laughs> We're not going to talk about that UTEP game. Right, tell us. You about, know, what? Go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say about the UTEP game. <laughs> I said we uh, weren't going to talk about it. Floyd, Floyd. Floyd now, explain, explain, explain the UTEP game before you tell us why it happened. This is undefeated. You've won the national championship. You open the 85 season we're in El we're Paso. Top ten, we're a top 10 team again. We probably should have won the national championship again in 85. They dropped right? nine, and a stubborn Norm Chow won't put Blaine in the game. Okay, now Vi, now go ahead. Vi, go ahead. <laughs> we, we go there. I don't know what happened, but they, they ran all over us um, that night. They had a running back that must have had 300 yards rushing. Mm. But, but, but what I remember about that game is that uh, Floyd Johnson had me stay that night and speak at – UTEP Institute on Sunday, Sunday uh, afternoon. Sunday oh wow! Evening. The next day, and, and then the next day. So we were counting on a win, and I would go there and kind of puff my chest out. Instead, I show up to I I, I stayed at a, I think we stayed at a Holiday Inn, and and the team flew back. I went back to the hotel and stayed. I think somebody from from the sports information stayed with me, um, and was there with me, and we flew back together Sunday evening, but. Um, it, it was like parties. It, it 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 was like Times Square on New Year's Eve. I I mean, cars honking all <laughs> night, and then I had to go to the institute, you know, the next day to go speak to them, and uh, everybody wore UTEP shirts. Oh, at, nice! At the institute fireside. It was such a shocking loss for all of us, right? Because, first of all, we were in a mode at that time where we never thought we'd lose football games, ever. Like, that would be a complete... That wasn't even thinkable that we would lose. UTEP was one of the worst programs in the United States. It it was one of the top five most shocking upsets in, like, in the decade. 
when we lost to them. It was so shocking that Brent Musburger reported it on the NFL Today the next morning. Yeah. I remember watching it as a kid going, hey, we made the NFL so that's Today. Why we, that's why we weren't going to talk about it, and now we talked about it. Now, we, like, now we have but, talked but, about it. But we had a lot of good... Probably- we had a lot of good memories, like, right? I don't know that it was Michigan App State, but it was close. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was but close. I tell you, we had a lot more good than than yeah, that bad. We had, sure. was so six six losses in Vi's time. Oh my goodness, that's Vi, that's impressive. Vi, I want you to reach back into your expertise to answer this next question on the art of the return. How does a how does a kid return a punt for positive yards, even for a touchdown? And BYU's guys can listen to this and and learn from the master, but what is the art of a punt return? Well, uh, the first thing I'll tell tell you is this, and you guys will appreciate this because you know my background. Uh, I I grew up boxing. My dad was training me in his master plan in our immigration that, that we'd make our living with me boxing. That's all he knew. My dad was not educated. Neither was my mother. Um, but but so I started training, and I was fighting since I was seven years old when I arrived, and all the way up until I started high school. The reason why there's a connection there is that if you think about it, um, making somebody miss in boxing is you know bobbing and weaving and head fakes, and uh, it's that. It's not jumping out of the way. It's, it's head movement, and it's the ex- when, when I started playing football, I realized that it's the exact same thing that, that you do when you have the ball in your hands in open field. You know, you, you're not jumping. You know, it's, it's, it's a shake. It's, it's head movement. It's how you make people miss, and, and I became really good at it. I, I, I've never forgotten this. Um, I, Blaine and I spent a lot of time, you know, commiserating because um you know we're both backups and I, I actually went in and told Lavelle that I wanted to quit and he said to me I never forget this he said to me um that'd be the worst mistake in your life and I'll tell you why you don't know this but you're going to play on Sundays and I said coach I'm not even playing on Saturdays <laughs> who thinks they're going to play on Sundays if they're not playing on Saturdays and he said well you have a very unique skill set and we don't value it as much here in, in college football, but at the next level, he says, I'm telling you something that I know a lot about because scouts come in here all the time and they always ask about you because in the NFL level, um, you know, a 10-yard return makes a difference in how they call plays and, and, um, and, and, and how drives go. Um, and, and I – Again, I was just I just completely disregarded it. Um, But I I was the other thing that made me really good as a punt returner is that I it it wasn't that I was so I'm fearless. There's not a lot that I'm scared of because I was a boxer. Right. Um, One of the things that one of the first things my dad taught me, which is counterintuitive, when somebody throws a punch rather than uh, Ali was great at it, but he was tall. He would lean away from it. And the punches would be short. My dad taught me, look, you're short and stocky. You're going to have to lean. Every time somebody punches, it's counterintuitive, but you got to lean into it and duck while you lean towards a punch. Um, so my point is, um, I, I was never fearful on the field. And when the other, the, the other thing that happened that worked for me is that I wasn't playing on the offense. So every time they punted or kicked the ball, I felt like it was – it was a carry. So 
I'd be curious to look up BYU stats from the 80s. I bet you I had five fair catches in the four years that I was at BYU. Oh, you weren't fair catching the ball? That you weren't going to fair I never catch fair, it? I rarely fair caught the ball because I was trying to make a statement to uh, Mike Holmgren and Norm Chow and Ted Tolner. And, and uh, I didn't have to make it for, to Lavelle because Lavelle understood. Um, but I was just so angry all the time that I wasn't playing, and I felt like I should have been playing. But Lavelle just kept, you know, telling me, hey, listen, just relax. We're going to do this. Is going to we're going to do you a favor. Turns out that they did me a huge favor. I got to the NFL, and guess what? I had fresh legs. I, I got to the NFL and had, you know, I, I had been worn down from carrying the ball twenty times a game, um, and I played another decade uh, in the league because of it. So that eighty-seven yard punt return in Giant Stadium changed your life. It changed your post-football <laughs> life. Uh, sent you into broadcasting. It, 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 Rocky Balboa's got his statue. You should have one of yours because you became an icon in Philadelphia. What? So you, you get the touchdown. You're in the end zone. You approach the Giants goalpost. What inside you made you think, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to box this goalpost. <laughs> Dave, I, I, had, I, had, I had been dabbling in television at that point, and I didn't know it, but I was two years away from retirement. But I knew it was getting close, and um, and when I I had actually scored the touchdown running along the Giants sideline, so I had to jog back the 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 width of the end zone to get back to our sideline. But when I was jogging back for a split second, I saw in the corner of my eye the the giant goalpost, and it, and it was blue, of course, and it had the word Giants written on it, top to bottom, and and something uh, something happened. <laughs> when, I, when I was a kid, my dad and I trained in this old gym. Anybody that grew up in Mesa, Arizona knows Rendezvous Park where the, where the Oakland A's practiced. It was their, their, their field that they played on. Underneath the stadium was an old gym. It was a municipal-run gym. And, uh, and, the, and the, the heavy bag that was in that gym was the exact color blue. It was like the royal blue, BYU blue. It, and, and it looked like the the bag looked like the the goalpost padding, and and I knew enough about television because I'd been dabbling in it that the cameras weren't going to cut the commercial because I just scored. Right. And 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 they were probably going to zoom in the cameras on me. So I jogged over there, and knowing that my dad was home in Mesa, Arizona, watching, I dropped the ball and just went over there and just in my head I was thinking. Dad would really appreciate this because <laughs> he had trained me to be a fighter. Instead, we found football, and I just started digging lefts and rights and uppercuts. And 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 the stadium, I, I was showered. Blaine knows because he's from New York. Oh, yeah. They were, they were throwing stuff. The Giants you know, hate the, the Eagles already, throwing. right? But... When when we got on the when we got on the team train to head back to Philadelphia, the head coach Richie Kotai came up to me and he said, "You know, you know, <laughs> Richie Kotai was hilarious. He came up to me and he said, uh, hey, kid, he's, he's, he's from Long Island. Hey, kid, you understand what just happened to you tonight, right?'" I said, "No, I, I, what are you talking about?" He goes, "You're a made man in Philly. <laughs> a made man in Philly. <laughs> You're a made man in Philly." You'll never buy another drink or another cigar or dinner in Philadelphia. <laughs> was he right? Now you didn't do the cigars or the drinks, but was he right? Your your fandom uh, 
took off. It helped me get a TV job. Yeah. <laughs> Say, hey, I, keep I, it. I, I, I want to tell you guys, if I, uh, did it help him? Like, Vi, and, and I, I want to talk about, um, we're going to talk about the Jose Canseco thing in a minute, but it was after the Jose Canseco thing. I was back, Brenda and I and the kids were back staying with Vi and Keala, and, and Andy was the coach with the Eagles. Reno was still playing. Chad was still playing. And, uh, and Vi's uh, friend, um, Bernard, was it Bernard that was fighting? I think Bernard was in a fight. Bernard Hopkins was Bernard in a fight. Hopkins. Yeah. But Vi is too cheap to get uh, HBO, and the fight was on HBO. So we needed <laughs> to drive over to the other side of Philly to, to go watch it on a friend's TV, right? I don't know if I even remembers this story, but so we, we we leave their house out in Mount Laurel and we drive through the town and we, we come. Um, I think we might have gone by the station to pick something up and we're going out to his friend's house to watch the bo- the boxing match because Vi doesn't have cable. So we got to go to somebody else's house to have cable. And we couldn't buy the fight because Vi doesn't have cable. So so we're driving and I come up to a red light and I turn my turn signal on and I stop and I turn right. And just as I'm doing that, I, we hear like, woo, and, and we get pulled over. And um, Vi's like, oh, man, I, you can't turn right on red at that corner. I'm like, was there a sign? Like, I didn't see the sign. And we were in my rental car, um, and Vi's sitting in the passenger seat, and the police officer comes over. He comes up to the window, and he says, uh, hey, uh, I need your license and registration, please. And I go, well, it's a rental car. And then Vi leans forward and says, hey, officer, this is my fault. I apologize. Um, and uh, I'm from here. I knew that you couldn't turn right on red. This is my friend. He's from out in Utah. This is a rental car. He didn't know that he couldn't turn there, and I, and I didn't tell him, and, and we're, we're terribly sorry. And the officer kind of puts his head in my window. He goes, Vi, sick of him. Is that you, Vi? And, and Vi's like, yeah, it's, not, it's nice to meet you, officer. Like, and the guy reaches right across me as if I don't exist, puts his arm right across my face and shakes Vi's hand. He goes, it is like an honor and a pleasure to meet you, Vi. What are you guys doing in this neighborhood? And Vi's like, well, we're going over to a friend's house. You know, Bernard Hopkins is fighting. And he goes like, well, let me give you guys an escort out of this neighborhood. Like, you guys, you shouldn't be in this neighborhood. And don't, don't let this hurt your day. And I, I'm so excited that I met you. You had Vi sign something. Nice. And I got no ticket. And I got a police escort out of that neighborhood That's because I was with Vi Sikahema. So when you punch a goalpost Things change. in Giant Stadium... Everything changed in your life, and you become an icon in Philadelphia. That's just one example of my time with Vice Gehem in Philadelphia. And Vice TV career is what brought us together, as our respective TV station sent us to the Sochi Olympics in 2014, and we spent 25 great days hanging out together. And we had church services with the KGB looking through the <laughs> glass. That was a first for the four or five of us, but... Um, that, that brought us together, and, and Vi Sikahema, now a two-time Pro Bowl kick returner with us on the Wise Guys. Vi, you were called as a general authority of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in April of 2021. So for those on the live stream and will listen to this podcast uh, and follow us um, that don't know, what does a general authority do? Um, we general authorities, uh, 70, um, are... Um, our, 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 our main objective is to, is to do the job, um, help, help the 12, um, in their service, um, in section 107 of the Doctrine and Covenants points that out that the, the 12 are to call on the 70 
and, and, and no other, um, as it were. Um, so there's only going to be 12 of them, um, but the 70 is, um, is structured so that it could expand. Um, but even as uh, the general authorities, I, I think there's roughly 100 of us, maybe a 100 and 405, I don't have the exact number, um, but they've also added uh, Area 70s. Um, that position has been around in various forms for the last, I don't know, maybe 20 years. And there's probably 350 of them. And, and their number will continue to, to grow as the church grows. So, um, so we, you know, we're, we're out teaching and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. We just got back last week. We were in Washington, D.C. the weekend before. And then uh, all of last week I was in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania with my wife on a mission tour. Um, so if you're listening and you have a son or a daughter serving in the, in the Pittsburgh mission, uh, I want you to know that they're doing well. Um, so, yeah, we, we travel uh, about three weekends out of the month and um, um, traveling to state conferences, um, reorganizations of stakes, um, or just visiting stakes. We, um, we go to priesthood leadership conferences with a member of the 12. For us, usually it's uh, Quentin Cook uh, of the 12. Um, and or, or other members of the of the uh, council of the twelve, uh, we accompany them and and um, and help and teach and and, um, and do everything that we can to strengthen the church and um, and grow the kingdom. So how how in all those years of competitive sports did that prepare you for this stage of your life? What did that's sports good, do for you? That's a, that's a good question, Dave. Uh, because you know, no, nobody nobody signs up for these callings, right? Uh, any more than bishops do or stake presidents do, but most certainly not these callings because they're full time, and they're full time for uh, depending on your age. I was called when I was fifty eight three years ago, um, and uh, and they go until you're age seventy. They release you emeritus when you reach the age of seventy, um, and. Um, you know, one of the things that, uh, that I, but we all feel this way, no, no matter who you are, where you come from, what your background is. And you, and you know, many of the background, uh, backgrounds of the, of the senior leaders of the church, they're incredibly smart, very bright. Many of them led universities as presidents. They were titans of industry, um, you know, judges, lawyers, um, CEOs, CFOs, you name it. And, and here I am, you know, uh, a former NFL player and worked in television and, and I didn't graduate from college until, you know, I was age 40. Um, because I was a complete knucklehead in college as Blaine well knows. <laughs> um, so you wonder what, my gosh, um, I'm here with these men who are just, you know, one guy is smarter than the next. They're all, but I, I, I realized over time that, uh, that that's, you know, the, the Lord doesn't call those men either because they went to Yale or Harvard or uh, Wharton. Um, he calls them because they have something that they can add that, that, uh, that will help build the kingdom. And I think maybe, uh, 
you know, I, I, I have some gifts. I know I have gifts. There's things that I can do that I, um, that other people, um, find a struggle with, you know, I, I can connect. And I don't know if it's because I, I think part of, uh, to go back to your question, how did, how did my experience as an athlete prepare me for this calling? Dave, that's such a great question because um, I think because I played football, people always want to know us, right? They always wanted to right. be around us and hear about what happens with the team. And so I connected easily. Blaine and I are the same person except he's white and I'm, and I'm brown. We connect easily with people because we can talk and visit and, and we enjoy people's company. You're basically the same way too, Dave. Um, I, I think by nature, I'm, I'm a, people think that I'm an extrovert, and I am. Um, but I, I've had to be to be a, to be a, an athlete, yeah. Because everywhere you go, people stop you, and I think that's one of the things that has that has helped my my ministry uh, is that I connect people. I, I connect with people easily. And, um, and and in doing so, I learned this when I was a young bishop and then I was a state president back east. Um, you know, just connecting to people isn't enough. I've connected to people and then, and then turn them towards the Savior, lead them towards the Savior. Um, and I think all those things help prepare me for the calling that I have. Yeah, great answer. Do you think uh, Vi is ready for five questions? Yeah. You ready for five? Yours aren't, are exa- yours aren't exactly the same. Yeah, we mixed them up a little bit. Then I got one. Okay. Addition, I, then Dave's going to ask you one yeah, additional question. There's a bonus question. I told question Dave a story, coming. and he's like, hey, oh, my hey, gosh, listen, we need to ask five about this. Can, can I just say this before uh, you start the five questions? Yeah. People ought to know that the three of us get together, and we have lunch periodically. Yes, and we, we just get together just to do this. I thought it was brilliant that you guys decided to do something. You're probably going to monetize it if, if – because this is what we do when we get together. We go sit at lunch, usually at uh, at your country club, and we sit and tell stories and laugh. And the lunches are usually like what four. The last like my, Bre- Brenda said to me the last time, she's like, "Are you just coming back from the club?" And I go, "Yeah." She goes, "You were Vi and Dave that whole time." I'm like, "Yeah." She goes. That's like almost five hours. Why didn't you have dinner while you were there? They, remember, they did bring the dinner menus. You know, and, and, and think about it. When Steve was on with us a little earlier, Vi, like when, we're, when we get together with Steve, whoever we get together with, um, that band of brothers we talked about, we can just sit and reminisce for hours. That's that's the format of this show, which is really why this show is so fun. Vi, we had dinner with Sherry Dew the other night, three and a half hours. Yeah, we sat with Sherry at Roost Chris for three and a half hours. It was so fun. So Sherry, Sherry Dew is one of my favorite people in the world, and yeah. uh, she's been bugging me forever to write a book. And, and I'm not like Steve, where I can sit down and focus. And you know, Steve's written what two or three books, and right. I've, yeah. I've never written one. Well, you should. It's time. It's time. Sherry help can help you. you. She's the best. So, all right, here we go. Okay, this is five questions. Five favorite sports movie. Some are the same. Favorite sports movie. Rocky. Nice. Oh yeah. There's a shock. Favorite singer or band. <laughs> Favorite singer or band? I think it's going to be old school for Vi. Favorite singer or band? Yeah, I got an idea. I haven't listened to new music since 1983, 84. So you're going to go with Morris Day in the Time that you used to perform in the Star (laughs) Palace. That that was me. That was Alvin Saliba. I know who it was. (laughs) I'm going to go with uh, Lionel Richie. Lionel Richie. That is old school. I saw him. uh, We saw him at the... uh, 
the Salt Palace or something years yeah, ago. He was, was he's phenomenal. Uh, hey, if you hear him, if you hear him now, he's still the same. He's right? pure yeah. still. Um, yeah. Favorite breakfast cereal. Uh, favorite breakfast cereal is uh, Honey Bunches of Oats. Okay. Oh, I like right. that one. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, yeah. A favorite kick or punt returner of all time, other than yourself. Um, it's got to be my man Billy White Shoes. Yeah, Billy, Billy White, White Shoes, Shoes Johnson. Johnson. I mean, the, the the funky chicken dance is an all. I mean, come on. Who hasn't come done on. that on the side yard? Who hasn't done the Billy White right? Shoes Johnson who celebration? Has, who has? Who has to spike the ball behind your head yes. and, then, and then do the, do the fucking <laughs> I'm so dance. glad you said Billy White Shoes. I didn't even think of him, but that he was he was part of my youth, right? Because I loved oh him. Oh, my gosh. So, Unbelievable. Oh, your favorite advice from Lavelle Edwards? Favorite advice from Lavelle Edwards is, son, don't quit. Yeah. You're going to play on Sundays. <laughs> that was good advice. That was good advice. By the way, he taught Mark, Mark was on the show with us, and at the end of the show, he's like, can I tell you guys something Mark, I've never told? Mark who? Mark Wilson. Wilson. Oh, Mark. Yeah. He says, can I tell you guys something uh, that I've never told before? And we're like, sure, it's just us, Mark. It's just um, us. It's just us. And I don't know how many hundred thousand people are going <laughs> to listen to this. but um, And then, then he told us about how he went in and quit and Lavelle talked him out of it. After his junior year, he was quitting and Lavelle talked him out of it. So... So you're you're not the only one. He's a wise um, man. So, so I, I, think, I think I think Jim McMahon went in there and wanted to quit and transfer. Yeah. How I many right. times? Yeah. How, how many, many times? times? So so this is a bonus question. I've told like I've used this saying with Dave so many times. And he's like, like the very first time I used it, Dave's like, "Where'd you get that saying?" I go, "That is Vi saying. Vi taught me this saying." And so we use it all the time, and we credit you. We footnote you every time, and and we want to know the origin of this saying. Because you've said to me, and you taught me to say this, if it's free, it's for me, and I'll take three. The origin is Jim McMahon. So Jim used to say that? That was, he, he, you know, he Jim Jim had a bunch of sayings that he used to say. Uh, you know, it's no secret <laughs> Jim uses cannabis. Yes, and I don't think that's a secret one, to anybody. One, one, of his, one of his sayings was, uh, um, man made alcohol. God made weed. I'm rolling the dice with the big guy. <laughs> um, that was one of his uh, nice one, one of famous things. But he used to always say, because Jim never paid for anything. No, that's true. Not yeah. clothes, not shoes, not <laughs> golf clubs, not not uh, club fees, uh, uh, tea time, nothing. Nothing. He I, he just everything for Jim was free, and he always told me he, he always. He probably still calls. He calls me kid kiddo. Too. He calls you kid. Yeah. Yeah, I'm 61 years old today, and he still calls me kid. But yo, he, he always told me, if it's free, it's for me, and I'll take three. <laughs> so this, see, I, I've been crediting you because Vi's the one that taught me that. I did not realize that Jim. That Jim, Jim just Jimmy by Mac. every time I see Jimmy Mac, he puts his arm around my neck and, and gives me a hug, and he always goes. How you doing, kiddo? He still calls me kiddo. He's still to this day. He used to, when I was a freshman, um, he, he'd come out from you know his time with seven on seven. Steve would go in, and, and he'd come over. He go, Hey, kiddo, come over here. Let's talk about what I just what you just saw when I was in there. And he would he would teach me. He he, he was such a great mentor, but uh, still calls me kiddo to this day. Still calls you kid, huh? He's, he 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 calls he calls everybody kid. I think maybe because he doesn't remember people's names. <laughs> that uh, might be. Yeah. But so. but Mac is uh, he's one of a kind. You, 
You know, uh, when I'm when I'm when I'm around him, I, I think I told the story at Danny Plater's funeral. But I, my my nickname for him is Bishop. I always call him Bishop McMahon, and he always cracks up. He laughs. Um, he says, "No way, never." And I said, "Jim, listen to me. Someday you're going to join the church, and I'll come baptize you." And I said, and I always tell him, within three to five years after you're baptized, you're probably going to be a bishop. <laughs> what what says, does he say? He says, why, why do you think I'm going to be a bishop? And I said, I'll tell you why you're going to be a bishop. Because no one will ever come confess anything that you haven't done twice. <laughs> so you'll be, you'll be very empathetic to people. Very empathetic. And confess. Oh, and, confess. and he just cracks up. And, and uh, so Jim, Jim's got a good heart. Uh, he's still crazy. But, you know, those are the stories, Blaine, as you know, and, and you too, Dave. Those are the stories that we can tell. There's a whole bunch of other stories. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's not, oh, yeah. It's hey, not Glenn, fit for broadcast. You guys will lose your license. Glenn just hopped on our live stream, said good morning from the Philippines. Vi's an amazing man and boxer. Whether he's beating Jose Canseco in a charity bout in Atlantic City or punching the goalposts, he can yeah. He can throw it. Um, so let's finish with this question, Vi. So when you and Blaine went door-to-door selling fire extinguishers <laughs> as college kids... <laughs> What was your part of the job, and why would I ever open my door and see the two of you trying to sell me a fire extinguisher and buy one? Hey, so. we had this routine, and we walked. <laughs> we went with a. The, they were called Halon fire extinguishers, and there was there was a gas that would extinguish fires. And we had this routine where we took a pan, like one of Brenda's pans, <laughs> cooking pans, and we took a we took lighter fluid. Uh, you know, to start barbecues, right? And a match, and we and we had do a little demonstration with these 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 little canisters were, you know, like the size of an aerosol can. Mm-hmm. You know, right on my uh, front door, spray. right we'd on do, my doorstep. We do it on your carpet in your living room. You're going to do this. We would come in, and by the way, this was the summer of '84, so we wore we wore our BYU yes uh, we did. polos. <laughs> and the moment they saw us, most people just hey, come on in, come on, we'll talk football. So we go in and we do our little demonstration and get this, I would, uh, Blaine would do the talking and the demonstration. He would, he would uh, light the, you pour the lighter fluid into the, in the pan, strike a match and light it. And then, t- and then spray it with the Halon fire extinguisher and it was extinguished, right? And to make the point that it's uh, safe, he would hand the pan to me and tell him what I would do with the pan. So I would say it's non-toxic. It's, it won't hurt your pets. It won't hurt your children. How did he prove that? And I would say Vi, and I would hand it to him, and Vi would lick the pan to prove that it was non-toxic. That's say, how you close now, the deal. Now, it's, it's only it's only been forty years, but there, I haven't suffered much from it. So now, how many of these things did you guys sell? We actually with sold. This demonstration? We actually killed it. We sold a truckload because we we knocked on the door of a guy who was a member of the Cougar Club, yeah. And he owned, um, he owned uh, um, what were they? Trailer parks all over. Trailer parks all over Montana, Idaho, Utah. He owned trailer parks, and he needed to have one in every trailer park. Yep. In, in every one of his trailers, and we sold the entire. <laughs> Uh, we should, we sold the whole summer's worth of an allotment that Vi and to I had in like, in like a couple weeks. And then you know what we did? We went we and said, bought. Yes, we did. We went and we bought, went bought scooters. Twin, twin scooters. 
<laughs> yes, we did. Aero 80s, Honda Aero 80s. And Kayla and I and Brenda and I went on scooter dates all the time. You earned all that money and bought scooters. So, And here's the thing. Obviously, Halon is not non is, is not toxic and all that because Vi licked, I don't know how many yeah, pans. how many pans before we, we Before here? we ran into uh, Brother Blaine, Chamberlain, how did who Blaine, bought all those from us. How did Blaine get you to do that? Is that as part of the demonstration? Like, who came up with, and then you licked the pan? Who came up with it's that because idea? It's because he's got a silver tongue. He can talk <laughs> you into anything. This guy, he goes, I, he goes, look, let me do the talking and because uh, I'm the quarterback. And uh, you just you just lick the pan. I said, all right, I, I guess I'll lick the pan. By the way, um, little known fact, it is against the rules at BYU since 1985 mm-hmm. to ride to ride scooters. It's called the, the, the Fowler-Sikahammer rule. Yes. And Lavelle saw us riding them. He said, hey, where'd you guys get those? Oh, we bought them because you can't ride those. Nope, don't ride those. As long as you're on football scholarship, you're uh, you're not allowed to ride those. We didn't know that. So, hey, let's just say this: the the presentation was excellent. Vi did a tremendous job. Fantastic. We sold a truckload of fire extinguishers enough that we went and paid cash for two Honda Aero 80 scooters and had a great time that fall. You guys were pioneers for Cirque du Soleil. That's all. And we I were say. both living in <laughs> we were both living in Wymount Terrace at the time. So no, if we could if we if we could have done this with bug spray and uh, oh yeah. Um, and then solar panels, we would have. Uh, we we started we a long time. Ago. Vi and I started the whole summer sales business at Is BYU. That right? That's that's We impressive. just didn't have the vision that Todd <laughs> Peterson and Vivint all those guys had when they got it going because we were just way ahead of our time and we didn't make that kind of money. Brother, happy birthday! Yes, I love you guys. Happy love birthday! You. We love you, and and uh, so fun to have you on. So fun to have Steve with with all of us and. Uh, and, and give Cal a big hug for us and, and all of our love for sharing you with us on your birthday. We appreciate it very much. Hey, which game only are you, you guys? Which game it, are you coming? Only you guys, no which, one else. Which game are you coming down to? I'm coming down this weekend because I'm I'm uh, everybody's uh, off. We don't have any assignments, and I'm coming uh, the the Friday game before general conference. Cincinnati, yeah. Good. Come to that game. I hope I see you guys. You yeah, bet. we'll see you for sure. So the great Vi Sikahama, Elder Sikahama, was so generous with his time on his birthday. Thanks, Vi. Thanks, we'll see Vi. you at lunch. Love you guys. Love you too. What a what a treat tonight. Yeah, it's like our best show ever, and we've had some good shows. Yes, um, we have. That was so fun. Let's just jump to uh, our inspirational quote of the day, and we'll yep. get you out. We'll get we do want to say next week David Nixon's going to join us. We're efforting Austin Collie. The following week, John Beck will be here. Uh, size up Keaton Slovis after yep. a couple of games. It'll be really fun to talk to John how he thinks he's doing after two games. And yep. Dave Rose will be with us ahead of his induction into the Utah Sports Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's going to be a great the lineup. Show. The hits just keep coming with with the folks we we have uh, on the show. And yeah, what a great show tonight. We're we're so grateful for for Steve and Vi taking the time to be with us. So. And cool to have Steve on with us here on the anniversary of the the passing of Brigham Young, the second president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, founder of the University of Utah and BYU, passed away in 1877. Of course, Steve, right down that line of genealogy and representing the the young name as he has, and he's done so well, and we're just so grateful to have Steve on the show with us. So our Wise Guys inspirational quote of the week comes from Brigham Young. Brigham Young, who said, true independence and freedom can only exist in doing what's right. Words to live by. True independence and freedom can only exist in doing what's right. Thanks to Steve Young and Vaisikahema. It was so fun. For a minute, there was their show. Yeah. It and was, that was just great. When, when, when Vi was telling Steve how he saved his career and Steve realized that it's actually true. That was a classic That moment. was a classic. Loved it. 
Congratulations to BYU point guard Nani Falatea and offensive tackle Kingsley Suamataia. They announced their engagement over the weekend. We wish them the very best. We'll see Kingsley this weekend. We'll be at Lavelle Edwards Stadium on BYU TV at 6 Mountain Time. Saturday yep. night, two-hour pregame. Join us for game day. Here we go. We have waited a long, long time, and wise guys – you know, we, remember we went a, a year and a half ago when we started. We wanted to be a year and a half in before we start with the Big 12 so that we're not practicing, we're doing. And I think we have uh, hit our stride and we are ready for the real stuff. So we'll see, we'll see you all live on Saturday night over there, uh, um, Linear, BYU TV, and then we'll see you again next Tuesday. Podcast is up tomorrow. Share it with your friends. Like us on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, YSGuys.com. Have a great week, everybody. The two of us, we'll see you next week. See you next week.